Hey everybody, you are listening to the We Are Rising podcast, your source for all things Rising and JMMA, news, interviews of fighters, reviews of fights, etc, etc. This is your host, Andrew Benjamin, and I am joined by my always incredibly, indubitably awesome co-host, Jay Christian Gary from the one and only Focus Fights. Hey y'all, how's everything going? <laughs> and I'm every time I try to do an introduction, I have to think of new adjectives to describe you. And so I'm gonna start using a thesaurus every time that we do every time I do an intro. because uh, I'm running out well, of Well, you know you know, I just call myself the chillmeister because I I managed to stay as chill as I possibly can be, but I also managed to stay cool, calm and collective. You know? Mm. Okay. Uh, speaking of cool, calm, and collective, well, I should say, speaking of chill, we got a pretty, I guess, I guess the opposite of chill, of a heated up card for uh, Ryzen 18 uh, coming up. Ah, uh, yes. The end of the summer sizzle cards for Ryzen, because even though it's August, I think this is going to be their hottest card yet. Uh, you know, I got to agree with that. Uh, you know, you know, I guess this is this is you know when uh, Sakaki Barasan was talking about the three points plan. If this was like one of their B shows that they were talking about doing, this definitely has like, you know, I want I, I guess maybe like a if you want to put it in wrestling terms, maybe like a a um, Armageddon or um, like well something that were along the lines where. It's not the card has names, but then mo- on the main on the uh, as the card goes up, but at, when you go more uh, towards the, the beginning of the card, there's the, the names there's a lot less there no name fighters and which is cool, which is cool. I like I like it when fighters I don't I'm either not familiar with or don't know that much about get a chance on a rising show and on a you know bigger card you know where they may not have that opportunity because they're being overshadowed by you know attention or um a Floyd Mayweather perhaps you know uh the great great thing about this show is that you know even though we have Kyoji Horiguchi in the main event you know he he is he is going to be main eventing a card where I think a lot of fights there's a lot of interesting fights uh, in Ryzen's many divisions that they are working on. And, uh, uh, Christian, I'm going to, uh, pass it on to you. You want to talk about, uh, you know, just get the particulars about where and when this card will be happening? Ah, yes, yes. Ryzen 18 will be taking place exactly, if you're listening to from the day of the recording, one week from today. August 18th from the Dolphins Arena in Nagoya, Aichi, Japan. And it'll take place live in the U.S. at 1 a.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Pacific on the Fight TV app and Fight.TV. Which hopefully, hopefully this won't be the last time we'll see Fight TV put on a rising event. Because I hear that some big fed in Stanford wants to buy them out. But I hope those are just rumors and not actual happenings. I hope so too. I hope so too. We'll we'll definitely talk more about that on a uh, on a shooting the shit because 
I'm particularly worried about that. I'm particularly worried about that. But we're not here to talk about that. We have we we know it's gonna be on on fight. So that's the that's the good news right now. And um, just to let everybody also know as well, this arena is the Dolphins Arena because apparently that's a sports team that plays there. It's also known as the Aichi Professional uh, Gymnasium. Um, but both are correct. It's kind of like um. What is it with a Jet Stadium? It's uh, what's the other other name for Jet Stadium that um, everybody calls? Uh, uh MetLife Stadium. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, right? Yeah, yeah. Every, uh, you know, you could call it the, the the name of the home team that plays there, or the uh, what the uh, I guess the non sports team name of the arena is. So both are correct. Right, right, right. I mean, because it's hard when it comes down to certain events and naming rights. It's really hard to try and name them from their original name, especially when it comes down to naming rights, because you just want to feel that nostalgia. Instead, you just feel corporatized. And in this building here, there are no corporatized. They just have a basketball team, in this case, a team that's playing in the EJ League, which is the Japanese equivalent to the NBA. I mean, they have a team that's playing in front of a small crowd, and they don't mind having all those people, I mean, all those short amounts of people coming out and see their games. But I get what you mean. It is part of Rise and Tier program. This is a medium-sized venue, and they want to try and do their best in front of these people in Nagoya. Yeah, I'm going to get get out the exact... Um, um, the uh, it holds about seven thousand people, seven to eight thousand people. Um, so that's definitely a mid-sized venue compared to what Rise has been doing a lot in the past. So, huh. um, I mean, come to think of it, it's kind of in the way of what All Elite Wrestling has done for their TNT show coming up. They're going to the they're going to the Boston University Arena, Aggie. I don't know what the hell the name is, but I just know that the arena is on the campus of Boston University, and that seats like 7,000 people, same amount of capacity. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, don't expect, you know, there will probably be some cool entrances and all that stuff, but I'm not expecting anything on the level of like a Saitama uh, entrance. So don't... Right, right, because of course... As we have known over the last four years, which is coming up on the fact that it's going to be their fourth year, I mean, their fourth fourth anniversary on December 29th. As we've known for years and years now, Saitama entrances are very, very special. Mm. And actually, I just remember, so Horizon 12, which took place in Nagoya last year, um... That they had the fighters. Normally, they have the fighters come out on the ramp and Saitama and all that. For this show, I remember for the Ryzen Twelve show, they all came out like in different parts of the arena, with um, eventually with uh the main eventers coming out. I think it was through like the um the the official entrance, if I remember correctly. Um, I don't know if it was the same thing that they did at that show, but um. Regardless, I think this is going to be a good show on paper, and I think I can't wait to talk about it even more. 
And uh, hey, I can't wait to talk about it either. Yeah, me too. Um, so with that, uh, would you like to go ahead and start off the card of uh, of uh, Rise Eighteen, Christian? Yes, I do. And this card is going to have thirteen contests, ten MMA, three kickboxing. That'll be taking place on this card. The first of these contests is a bout that will be contested at 125.7 pounds, or 57 kilos. It's a kickboxing bout between Ryuji Horio from the Try Hard Gym and Uchu Sakalai, who is all of 16 years old, fighting out of Comrade. Just a brief reminder on where Horio trains out of. He trains out of the Trihard Gym in Sagamihara, Kanagawa, Japan. But to be quite honest, we all—I mean, we all should know that Horio is 27 years old. We know that Sakurai is 16. You have the particulars for these guys. Why don't you mention more about them? Sure. Okay. So um, we uh, just uh, we'll go start with Ryuji Horio since he is the Ryzen veteran. If you remember, he uh, was at the Ryzen 16 show. He actually was a late replacement for um, I I'm trying to remember the, who the fighter was, but they were a, a another try hard fighter uh, that um had to pull out. Um, gonna get up who it was. Um, but uh, he uh, he fought. He fought and beat Kunitaka Fujiwara uh, in a kickboxing bout, and I think it was taken on three or four days' notice. Um, oh, yeah. it was definitely four days' notice, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yes, and I, I remember it was and it was Kizimon Saiga because Saiga's still had not recovered from his retina, nah, his um, what do you call it? The um, um. Uh, orbital bone. His corneal injury. Yes. Yeah. I mean, what? His eye fucked up. Yeah, basically, yeah, from a previous fight, a, a previous fight, and uh, yeah, he didn't have proper um, peripheral vision, is what they said in the press release. Um, but uh, Horio looked great in his Ryzen debut, and also taking a fight on such short notice. Um, Very short notice. And. Uh, uh, some particulars about him. So he it has 19 wins total, uh, six knockouts, 13 decisions, nine losses, two draws. Um, he's mm -hmm. a, and he's five feet five inches tall and 125 pounds. Yes. Uh, he is the fourth crush 55 kilogram champion. Uh, that is crushed with a K. And, um, Uchu Sakurai, obviously the most obvious factor is that he is 16 years old. So, mm -hmm. which automatically makes him the youngest fighter on this card, and I think probably a rising ever. Um, oh yeah, most definitely, most definitely, because there has never been a fighter, you know, that young to have fought on a Ryzen Fighting Federation card. I think the youngest fighter to fight in a pro MMA, I mean, to fight on a pro MMA card was Kazuhiko Nakajima, the famous pro wrestler from Pro Wrestling Noah, who fought at the age of 14, well, actually 13 as a professional. But, yeah, Sakurai is, 
I mean, would you say that he's like a Tenshin Nasukawa light? Um, well, here's the thing. I'm going to give his, 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 his record. Um, he has four wins, three by KO, one by decision, and one loss. So... Oh. Mm, I don't so, know. no. So, probably not. Um, I mean, you know, one loss doesn't mean anything, but... When you've been doing it as long as tension and he hasn't lost, it's kind of the comparison is obviously like you want to look at their records and be like, oh, how is he, you know, if they're comparable at all. Um, but here, I'm going to read what Ryzen provided on these two um, fighters. Horio left a great impact in his Ryzen debut when he took a fight in a, on four days' notice and still was able to get the win against a very tough opponent. Sakurai is a highly tied. How, Highly touted teenager who is full of potential. Sakurai recently made his MMA debut and is currently competing in both. Kickboxing and MMA. Um, just also to let everybody know, Horio's finishing rate is 32%, while Sakurai is 75%. And yeah, that's the other thing as well. Sakurai is dabbing, dabbling in MMA right now. So, he's that's... Um, I'm going to get his MMA record right now. He has a... Two and two and one MMA record, um, and his two wins are finishes in the first round. Um, mm. But you know this is kickboxing. This is not MMA. The rules are different. So, um, oh, I'm gonna also get what they said in the Ryzen press release. Um, Go ahead. Excuse me. Um, where is Sakurai? Oh no, he's not there. Did I? Did I now, just to be clear, this is from the official Ryzen press release, not clippings from Mike Skype, right? No, these are from the official Ryzen press release. They sent me them. Um, can't they? Can't they? Huh? They didn't provide anything regarding Sakurai and um, um, Horio. I don't. I can't believe that. Let me let me, do, let me just go through this one more time. Make sure I did. I didn't go past it. Well, you know, as far as a prediction goes for this fight, I think. Oh, sorry. Sakurai question. is dead. Uh, sorry, huh? sorry to interrupt, but I I got it right here. It's buried on the okay. bottom. Uh, so actually, I'll read Horio first. Horio said, I got my last Ryzen fight offer in an un unexpected way. That's very true. And learned that as long as you continue what you do, chances will always come by. And I want to show that hard work and always being ready can earn your chances and keep them. I'll look for the finish, something I could not get in my last fight. And Uchu Sakurai says, I'm very excited to be fighting in my hometown and to be fighting on such a big stage in front of hundreds of my supporters. Uh, Horio is a great threat who is... Who has had many titles before, so I'm looking forward to testing myself. I want to not only win, but I want to put on a show that the fans are going to love. And um, so I think I think basically what this comes down to is is the age factor: 16 versus 27, experience in the ring versus um, still gaining experience. Um, I'm just gonna re show those. Um, uh, let's see. So. Uh, Horio has had a total of 28, 30 fights in kickboxing, while uh, Sakurai has had five. 
And um, going into their sixth, right? Go both. This will be their sixth. Uh, this is, yeah. This will be his sixth fight, and Horio's thirty-first. So okay. Well, as far as predictions go, I know that Uchu is going to have the youth factor, but I think it's going to go more the way experience because I think Horio, even though he had his last rising fight in a very, very short noticed way, even though he still won, I think. With a full training camp now, he's going to have a lot of fun in that ring, and he's going to have a lot of fun at the expense of Sakurai. So I'm going to say that Horio is going to be the one to, you know, teach this young kid some manners. And, you know, I'm going to have to agree with you, Christian. I'm going to pick Horio as well. For someone who took a, shot, a fight on four days' notice and looked that good against a more experienced kickboxer um, in Kunitaka, um... Imagine what a full thank fight camp looks like. You know, this is not to, uh, you know, we could be entirely long, you know, hey, maybe this guy is a future tension. Who knows? Maybe he is. Or a future Takaru. But right now, I don't see anything. Or a future Taika. Uh, or, well, I don't know if you want to go that route. Given mm. <laughs> um, Taika's, uh, I would say, previous to his last kickboxing match, uh, la- uh, five, uh, five winless streak. I'll say that um, that I think that Horio is gonna is gonna be the much more experienced fighter. He's gonna know a lot more, a lot, a lot more what to do. Um, I haven't seen Sakurai's MMA matches, but I have found that people who try to do both tend to not be successful. Um, in one, mm-hmm. it's because you're basically eating way too much. Uh, weight eating too much off your plate. I know that tension is an exception, but you know people forget that uh, the uh, the Yamato Fujita fight, where he almost came close to losing the MMA match, and everybody who he fought previous to that was you know 0 and 0, 0 and 1, or 1 and 0, or something. He w- went up against people that were not the most experienced in MMA. So um, I don't know if he wants to be a kickboxer or going to MMA. Um, I mean, he's already had three MMA matches, which is, you know, um, which is a, a lot um, for someone who's only had, has had uh, five kickboxing matches, this being his six. But yeah, I think that Horio is going to be, is going to win this fight. But I'm interested to see what Sakurai brings to Ryzen and uh, as a fighter. I'm curious to see, because um, I only, I haven't been able to find any of his uh, bo- kickboxing stuff on YouTube. I found his MMA stuff. Um, that was easier to find. But, uh, I know how Horio fights, so I, I would have to go with him. I see. Shall we carry on with the next fight? Absolutely, sir. Go right ahead. Hey, I'm not Peppermint Patty. You're not Marcy. Quit yes. calling me sir. <laughs> <laughs> but still, though, still, we got a hell of a good fight. Next, and that fight is between Ryu Goku versus Kazuki Osaki. For Ryu Goku, who obviously, if you can't get the nickname, he gets his character from, obviously, the old Dragon Ball series, which is licensed over here in the U.S. by Funimation Entertainment out of Garden Grove, Texas. Anyways... Shota is 30 years old. He stands 5 feet 3 inches tall and weighs in at 116 pounds, which this fight will be contested 
at 116.8 pounds or 53 kilo. His opponent, Kazuki Osaki, all of two years old, about to turn 23 in a little over a month, he five feet three inches tall, 16 pounds, and he's a hometown fighter representing Oishi Gym in Nagoya, Aichi, Japan. But you have the particulars. Yes. Let me know a little. Let me and the rest of the world know a little bit more about these guys. Sure. So let's start with Shota uh, Takaya. Takia, excuse me. Um, he is. He has a total of thirty-two wins, fourteen knockouts, eighteen decisions, and thirteen losses. He is a uh, He's a two-time uh, Crush uh, fifty-five kilogram champion. Um, you get particulars about their age and about his age and height. Um, I didn't even realize he's actually. Oh yeah, five foot three. He is very short. Uh, same height as his opponent. Um. Uh, Kazuki Osaki, um, who has 24 wins, 15 KOs, 9 decisions, 5 losses, 2 draws, 1 no contest. Shota has a finishing rate of 44%, while Osaki has a finishing rate of 63%. Uh, also, he's a, uh, Osaki is a WMC uh, champion. I'm trying to get the weight division. I'm trying to translate it right now. Um, but, um... WMC, of course, meaning World Muay Thai Council. Yeah. Um, I guess it'll probably be, it's in the same weight class that they're fighting in, in this, for this show. Um, uh, yeah, uh, so, I don't know if he's the current champion or still, or, or former champion, but, I mean, it doesn't say anything here about, um, former champion, I don't think. So, I think he probably still is. So, he is the current champion. Yes. Um, and also, he looks like... You want to talk about 16 years old? He looks like he is 16, uh, Osaki, at least from the picture that I see. Um, and uh, uh, here's what Ryzen um, Instagram says about them. Both have a very aggressive style and have the heart to trade bombs. Takia likes to jump in and throw many punches, while Osaki will slowly close distance and throw accurate combinations. This fight will be a matter of control and pace. Expect some lightning quick exchanges. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, and Takia said in the Ryzen uh, uh, fight announcement press release provided by Ryzen PR. Um, I'm very happy to receive the, uh, to have received the second offer by Ryzen. I'll be fighting. Excited. I'll be. I'm excited to be fighting in my hometown. So I plan to have many people supporting me there. I plan to use everybody's energy to create a live Genki Dama. My opponent is on a roll, and he is on one of the most talented, and he's one of the most talented fighters in our weight class. It's like I'm Goku, and he's my rival Vegeta. Make sure to watch my fights. <laughs> what is a Genki Dama, Christian? Do you have any idea what that is? Dude, I have not seen Dragon Ball in so damn long, so I would not want. I mean, I would not know what to tell you about a Genki Dama. Um, I'm seeing, I'm reading that this is apparently Goku's signature technique, a, um, a spirit bomb, maybe? Is this what it is? Spirit Bullshit. Bomb? I mean, to be honest, if I, I mean, I do remember watching it back in the day with my siblings, and his move was more, I mean, Goku's signature is the Kamehameha Ha. Oh. 
So I don't know what Takia Schultz is talking about. Well, but, um, you know, it's a, when I look up Genki Dama on Google, it's a spirit bomb comes up. Right, right. I don't right. know any. Uh, I I have no idea. I I never seen Dragon Ball. I have no idea what the difference between that and Naruto is. I I, I saw the Dragon Ball Evolution live action movie. I had no idea what was going on in that movie. So yeah, I I. I uh, yeah, you you never want to watch that shit again. That no. just completely sucked. I, it was a waste of money on Funimation's part. Oh, I never want. Yeah, it was an absolute piece of shit. Um, but let's see. <laughs> He's talking about a second offer by Ryzen. Has he? I don't. Has, I don't think he's fought a Ryzen before. Has he? I can't remember. Oh, he has fought before. He fought. He fought on that Ryzen twelve card that we oh. discussed. Oh, huh, funny. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, he won his. He won his Ryzen twelve fight, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, God! It seems like Ryzen twelve was a million years ago. I'm trying to remember who he. Um, he fought. Oh, it was the first match. It was literally the first match. He he beat Sayuto Sato by decision. Oh, okay. I'll be honest. Yeah, so this will be his second stint in Ryzen, and hopefully if he does a good enough performance, we're going to see him light some more spirit bombs to come. Um, Probably. I don't know if it was a good fight, because if I can't remember it, usually that's a, that's a, a sign that it's not a good fight. Or it wasn't memorable, mm. I should say. But uh, going on to what uh, uh, Kazuki Osaki said, I am grateful to be called on such a stage like Ryzen. My opponent has been fighting before I made my professional debut, Whew. and I respect him a ton, but I will knock him out in the fight. I hope to put on a performance that people remember my name, so look out for me and remember my name. Shit. I mean, what's Osaki's record? Uh, he is 32 13. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was reading out of time. 24, 5, 2, and 1. Oh, that's tough. That's going to be a tough battle between these two. Yes. I mean, to be honest, this fight might be a little too close to call for me, but I think that I think that Schultz is going to probably come in because I think that Schultz is going to probably come in and win because he's used to rising. This is Osaki's rising debut. Yeah, funny enough, they're also both. They said they said you said they're both from Nagoya, right? Yeah, Nagoya, Aichi, Japan, where yeah. the event's taking place at. Yeah, so we got two hometown guys facing each other. One's thirty, the other one's twenty-two. The other one seems is a is a Muay Thai champion. The other guy is a two-time Crush champion, uh, and fifty-five kilograms. Um, you know, it's very interesting that uh, he also that Takia has been. Fighting longer than Osaki has been actually pro, so this is a very interesting. Yeah, this is gonna be. I don't think this fight is gonna go to a, a finish. This is probably gonna go all three rounds. Um, mm-hmm. And but, in the end, I see Shota Takia winning. Uh, you know, I might just be. I'm gonna be. Uh, I'm gonna be the devil's advocate here. I'm gonna say Osaki based on the fact that he's younger. Uh, and that he is a um uh, that he is I believe a current world Muay Thai champion, um with a higher finishing rate as well, uh than um Takia. Um, I know he's got a little bit of a wonky record, uh twenty four five and two and one, um, but both guys are gonna probably be really fast. 
gonna probably be, it's gonna probably be a very fast-paced fight. And I think, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna pick Osaki in this case to uh, take the W. Well, hey, I guess we're gonna have to agree to disagree on that, especially because of the fact that, like I said before, it's gonna be too close to call. I mean, these fighters are gonna probably go all three rounds, anyways. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but it should be hopefully a great, uh, a great uh, fast-paced bout. Mm-hmm. I see. Now we are. Sorry, Christian, go ahead. To the next time makes... Yeah, can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Go ahead. Um, yeah, you want to go to the next fight? Oh, yes, we're going to go into where... Oh, where, I guess you could say, we're getting into the more meteor posh portion of the card. Yeah, it's the, and it's also the first of 10 mixed martial arts bouts on this card. So yes. without further delay, let's talk about it. The next fight that's going to take place is in the women's strawweight. No, wait, actually, it is in the, yeah, the women's strawweight division. Adam Wade, what do you mean? Ai Shimizu, representing Crazy B in the Gym Sports Academy, versus a woman that you know so well. Top of the back, girl Watkins from Scorpion Fighting Systems. Sorry, Christian, I gotta interrupt. You meant the uh, atom weight division, right? The super atom weight division. Ah, uh, shit. That's fine. Uh, uh, yeah, the atom weight division, not the straw weight division, but yeah, it's between I Shimizu, Crazy Bee's wrestling future, who also fights out of the Gen Sports Academy, versus a girl that you're familiar with. Top of the back girl Watkins from Scorpion Fighting Systems. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, now on to the particulars. Ai Shimizu is 29 years old. She is not the anime voice actress and profession. She is not the anime seiyuu singer and pro wrestler of the same name, <laughs> as we noticed from the Yarn Oak show. <laughs> she is 29 years old. On October 1989. She stands 5 feet 1 inch tall, weighing in at 104.9 pounds, with a 60 and a quarter inch, no, with a 63 and a quarter inch reach. As I mentioned, she fights out of the Crazy Bee Camp in Yokohama, Kanagawa, Japan, and the Gen Sports Academy in Tokyo, Japan. And, of course, she has a record of 4 and 1, currently riding a 3 fight win streak. Most recently, of course, knocking out, no wait, actually, most recently, of course, getting three straight wins via finish, two of which in the first round, her recent bout was her choking out Sayuri Yamaguchi at Deep Jewels 24 back on June 9th, in addition to a ground and pound TKO with Sae Kokuho, and, and, well, actually, that was at Deep Jewels 23, K-pop singer Nanaka Kawamura of Common Joshi back at the Yarnoka show on the evening of December 30th here in the States. Mm -hmm. She is also a Fighting Angel War Season 3 semi-finalist. Huh. <laughs> Her opponent, a girl that you're familiar with, 
Tabitha Batgirl Watkins from the Scorpion Fighting System fighting out of Brighton, Michigan, USA. Five feet three inches tall, 106 pounds, with a 63-inch reach. She is all of 24 years old. On November the 23rd, 1994, she has a three and two professional record and is currently riding a two fight losing streak. But she has high hopes. She has high hopes looking to make her name in the international circuit because she, as we have been mentioning, our asses off. She is going to be one of three fighters from the state of Michigan on this card and one of six overall to ever compete out of the state of Michigan to compete in the rising ring. First of all, your thoughts on Tabitha Batgirl Watkins and then the press release on what they had to say. Yeah, Ryzen loves them fighters from Michigan for some reason. I don't know why, but uh, yeah, um, Tabitha Batgirl Watkins is a uh, Batgirl fan, in case you didn't know. Um, so she... Uh, Took the nickname as Batgirl, um, but uh, uh, some more, so Tabitha uh, Watkins is currently on a two-fight losing streak. One of those losing, mm-hmm. one of those fights that she lost to was to Lindsay Van Sant, who just beat Reyna at the Bellator 222 show in New York City. But that and just lost in her Invicta return just this past weekend. Uh. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, split decision, though. Let, that, let it be known that was a split decision. So, um, But nonetheless, um, we have someone who's on a two-fight losing streak versus somebody who's on a, uh, you said a three-fight winning streak, Christian? Yeah, a three-fight um, winning streak. Um, now, also this fight, apparently I Shimizu was supposed to have another opponent. We don't know who. It's not known, but, but apparently uh, that's why Watkins got the call, was that there was a, a opponent that, that they were trying to, to fill for Shimizu, or for I, I um, as she also goes by. Um, so this fight was actually made on about three weeks' notice. Is what what Watkins told us, and um, just gonna give a little bit, a little bit more particulars on the two. Um, I has a one hundred percent finish rate. She's finished all of her fights that she has won, and she yeah. classifies as a grappler. While and Watkins also classifies as a gap grappler, has a sixty seven percent finishing rate, uh, with two sub with two subs and one decision. And Ryzen says, Wrestling Elite Aishimizu will be making a return to the Ryzen ring against Tabitha Watkins. This will be a typical wrestling versus jiu-jitsu, and Tabitha's ground will put I submission defense to a test. The winner will bring a new breeze to Ryzen's super atomweight division. And to see what the two of them said... Um, well, come to think of it, before you get to what they said, I mean, did anything, I mean, you interviewed her last weekend. Yes, yes. You interviewed her as she was going to get her praise on. Yes. I mean, did she say anything that was probably similar to what she said in her side of the press release? Um, let me see. Well, I mean, apart from the fact that she's, that she's happy to fight for Ryzen, it's a dream of hers. Um, 
that um that her back her back persona when she thinks uh, she thinks she will connect with the fans. Um, I mean, she didn't do any like trash talking or anything of that sort. She um says she's looking to forward to a fight. Um, and uh, yeah, so she didn't really say anything that much different. I'll say that. Um, that's basically what she said. Um, Shimizu basically said this is gonna be the toughest challenge of her of her uh, entire career, um, which it very well might be, um, and also her first international opponent as well. Um, mm -hmm. So that's interesting as well. But when it comes down to this, I think there will be a winner and a loser. And while I do appreciate that Tabitha Watkins gave us the time to talk. I think that unfortunately, I Shimizu is going to uh, probably take this fight, and my belief is it'll probably be by a knockout. Uh, uh, Watkins' last two losses were by punches in the first round, not first round, second round, and you know, as they say, the more damage you take in the ring, the more you know, the more it wears your chin down, and just it, and. Just wears down in your um, uh, constitution, and uh, for those that don't remember, Aishimizu put a beating on uh, Nanaka Kawamura at the Yaranoka show. Um, just mounted her and just—I think she hammer fisted her um, it, before the referee stopped. And uh, Kawamura's nose was bleeding; she was crying, all that stuff. But, um, yeah, because she basically disappointed all of her J-pop fans. Exactly, yeah. Um, she, you know, also, you can't, I got it, can't go that Aishimizu also trains at Crazy B. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, in, I think that probably Aishimizu is going to be the one who takes this. And I think that Aishimizu is going to continue her, her finishing streak and go on a four-fight winning streak. What do you say, Christian? I mean, to be quite honest, you wouldn't be wrong about not picking Shimizu because the topology fan predictors, they are picking an overwhelming 96% for Shimizu. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't doubt Tabitha Watkins because even though she's 3-2, and two, she's on a two-fight losing streak right now, who's to say that she doesn't have what it takes to get the win here. That's true, that's true. I mean, you know, probably Tabitha has the ground advantage, I'm going to guess. Um, but taking two two back-to-back -back losses by knockout is it's not good. And especially for somebody who's a strong puncture like I, I is, it's basically you're, you're the likely your 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 chances of losing have increased exponentially. So, I mean, if Tabitha got a uh, submission in uh, and tapped out um, Shimizu, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but I would be surprised if, if if Shimizu is not working on her defense, submission defense, jujitsu defense, and just. Just falls into a trap, kind of like how uh, Miyu used to, Miyu Yamamoto used to all the time. Nope, I think that Aishimizu is going to take this. It's going to be, um, I think this will, I think uh, at this point, uh, Scorpion Fighting System uh, uh, slash Michigan uh, will be 
O and uh, will be O and one uh, with the first their first uh, fight. Right, I get what you mean, and that's why I'm probably gonna play it safe and pick Aishirizu as well because I mean, yeah, we shouldn't doubt Tabitha Watkins. We shouldn't doubt her will because it probably might be greater than I's will. Yeah. But when you're basically coming off the back of two straight losses, you really have no room for error. I mean, uh, should, uh, Watkins did tell us that she has improved a lot. Um, and, you know, that that does that that is um, that should be noted as well. But um, taking this fight on three weeks notice, um, coming all, coming back from two back-to-back losses uh, by knockout. It's, um, TKO, I mean, it, it, it's, it's going to add up. It's going to add up, and I think that, uh, I think that Aishimizu is going to have the much more significant, uh, fight advantage in this fight. True, that she will. But, hey, I just hope that those two they need to give it their all, even if it doesn't be a first-round finish. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> and I don't doubt. I don't doubt uh, that both of them will do that. Mm-hmm. Now, on to the next fight, which will be a catch weight at one hundred and thirty pounds. It is between Takaki Soya and Yutaro Ban Muramoto. Well, the particular the the survivor Takaki Soya. He's five feet five inches. He is 24 years old, born October 15, 1994. So he's two days older than my little sister. <laughs> <laughs> he represents Paresta Matsudo and fights out of Matsudo Chiba, Japan. He has a record of 10, 4, and 1. He most recently Kawahara back to basic B boy status. At Rocks in 16 when we left. And this went off of a two year losing to the rolling star Kiyotaka Shimizu. No, it actually after losing to Kiyotaka Shimizu. Break because he was facing some type of rare bone marrow disease. Mm hmm. But yeah, he came back, beat that cancer into remission, and knocked Namiki Kawahara back to being a basic ass B boy. <laughs> but still, Muramoto's gonna, I mean, Sawyer's gonna have a tough test when he takes on Yutaro Ban Muramoto. For Muramoto son, 5 feet 6 inches tall, 114.9 pounds, but he's gonna be ballooning all the way. To 130. He's 24 years old, born October the 3rd, 1994, so he's a little older by like two weeks to Soya. He's out of the alive camp, and of course, he's a hometown fighter fighting at Goya Aichi, Japan. He has a 6 4 and 2 professional MMA record, and he most recently fought Namiki Kawahara to a draw back on August 26, 2018 at Deep Field Impact. So we got the guy who basically knocked out Namiki Kawahara versus the guy who couldn't beat 
Namiki Kawahara, and he's coming off a one-year layoff. Also, what are your thoughts? I'm going to add that. Actually, um, Muramoto and Kawahara, uh, Muramoto lost to Kawahara back in 2017 at Deep Cage Impact 2017 by TKO, uh, if you scroll down a little bit more. Oh, okay. So, I see it now. I mean, I'm so stupid to even think of that. Well, no, no, but uh, so think I about guess, they, uh, familiar yeah, history. Yeah, I guess Miyamoto and Kawahara have a bit of a rivalry. Yeah, um, but like you said, um, uh, Soya knocked out the guy who uh, beat Muramoto. Uh, so keep that in mind. Um, Soya, I also think, is going to probably be the bigger guy in this case. Because uh, he normally fights at 125. And what, what was the, what's the exact catch weight again for the fight? They, they, it's gonna 130 be... pounds. So that means Muramoto is going to have to balloon up 16 pounds just to fight. Good luck with that, Muramoto. So uh, I'm going to give some quick particulars on this one. Because I think this, this fight will probably not go beyond the first round. But I will give both but fighters... First off, do you have any press release clippings from both of them? Oh, yeah, sure. You can quickly read the... Let me just read what the what Ryzen PR said about them. Soya looks to make another highlight reel finish and work his way into the Ryzen Bantamweight division. Oh, so he's going up. Uh, he's going to be doing um, uh, Bantamweight instead. Okay. Um, I should have actually... We should have figured that because they don't really have a flyweight division for MMA anymore. Uh, Ryzen. Um, Deep's Muramoto will be on his way to stop him and avenge Kawahara's brutal knockout loss. Muramoto has the speed and footwork that only flyweights have. Speed versus power. And, um, let's see, they are both classified as strikers. And, um, with Soya having a finishing rate of 70%, um, 10 of, the, of his wins are, are 7 are knockouts. While Muramoto's 50% finishing rate, he has 2 knock, he has 6 wins, 2 KOs, 1 sub, 3 decision. Um, and yes, the, uh, Ryzen PR, I'll get that up in just a second, um, but, okay, ah, here we are, here we are, so yeah, Shuto, ah, Takagi Soya, form, uh, former Shuto, I don't know, if, is he still fighting for Shuto, or is he no longer with Shuto, Christian? He's no longer with Shuto. So, former former uh, Shuto fighter Takagi Soya says, I plan to finish this fight with an even better highlight real finish. That's all he says. Quick and okay. simple. Quick and simple. Muramoto says, I'm glad to be fighting on such a big stage in my hometown. My opponent is a tough fighter, but I like to show how everybody, fa how, show everybody, Fast-paced, a fast-paced fight that only we can show. Now, what about the Tapology people, uh, Christian? What did they have to say about this fight? The Tapology people are for Soya. Yep, and I'm gonna have to say I agree with them. Uh, Soya is gonna be the bigger guy. He's gonna be the stronger guy. And he's going to be the guy who has more knockout finishes um, than his opponent. And also, not to mention, he already knocked out the guy who knocked out Muramoto. This does not go beyond the first round, I predict. I think Soya knocks him out in round one. 
What say you, Christian? I'm going to say that Sawyer knocks him out, too. I mean, you got a guy who's going to be coming in already at a disadvantage. I mean, his record ain't really as polished as, I mean, Morimoto's record ain't really as polished as Sawyer's is. And he's coming up from 114 pounds, which is the men's strawweight division, which we will talk about in great detail later on. Mm-hmm. But you got a guy ballooning up 15 pounds just to fight. I mean, you're going to get lazy. You're going to get complacent. And that's why I think that Sawyer's going to probably win this fight. Yeah, uh, two years off the dam. Sawyer looked incredible in that first fight, and in his return fight. And he sent uh, Kawahara to the Nether Realm, um, also adding the, the Shadow Realm, <laughs> the Shadow Realm, as well as also giving him a soccer kick to uh, uh, as as a parting gift. Um, Soya is going to knock out Muramoto. I don't see this going any other way, unless Soya injur- breaks his leg on his, get stepping into the Rising Ring. Quite honestly. Um, <laughs> Right. We're, I don't. I don't see. I don't see what Miramoto would have that he could. He'll, he's going to be the smaller guy. Yeah, maybe he'll be faster, but that didn't matter in the Kawahara fight. Kawahara still got his rocker knocked. I mean, I just don't see what Kawahara. I mean, it's not Kawahara. What uh, Miramoto is going to bring to this fight that he'll have um, as an advantage over Soya. You see anything, Christian, that maybe I'm not seeing? No, I don't see anything that you're not seeing. Yeah, I, I mean, this this fight's gonna be simple. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a one round knockout, and we're gonna probably see Soya get maybe, you know, I think perhaps uh, one of the winners or uh, one of the winners presumably on uh, one of the other fights that's happening on this card potentially for a future fight, because uh, there's quite a few fights to make. Uh, with the winner of this match, um, uh, in connection with some of the other matches that are happening on this card, while well, you're on this card, but yeah, I have nothing else to say about this fight because I think I don't see it going any other way. Indeed, I don't see it going any other way either. But without that, I mean, but with all that being said, you want to go on to the next fight? Absolutely. Okay, the next fight on the card will be a Bantamweight contest featuring Kazuma Sone versus Justin Tank Scoggins, our favorite fighter who likes to delete everything just to be more focused. Hmm. Anyways, but anyways, Sone's particular. He is 5 feet 6 inches tall. He weighs in at 134.9 pounds. He's 31 years old. Born February 11, 1988 in Okinawa, Japan. He fights uh, the fight out of the Hills from, obviously, he's a hometown fighter, Nagoya Aichi, Japan. He is currently riding a three-fight losing streak, including losing via sleeper choke. To Yuki Motoya at Ryzen 12 back last August. He is the former Shuto Pacific Rim Bantamweight champion, defeating Mamoru Oi full swing via majority decision back on January 28, 2018. 
He has since lost that title to Ryo Okada and lost in a more recent bout to Yuta Nezu via soccer kick and punches on the 30th anniversary to Fushudo at Korakun Hall back on May 6th. He was supposed to have fought Ursin Batman Yamamoto, but that fight got canceled for obvious reasons. His opponent... His opponent is the brother-in-law of UFC welterweight Stefan Wonderboy Thompson. Justin Tank Scoggin stands in at 5 feet 7 inches tall, weighs in at 125 and one-half pounds, and has a 66-inch reach from armpit to fist. Age 27, he's born May the 2nd, 1992, and he fights out of Spartanburg, South Carolina, USA. He is a Kempo Karate practitioner with an 11-6 pro MMA record who, unfortunately for him, is coming off his fourth straight loss also to Yuki Motoya, but obviously three of his last four losses via submission. He was supposed to face off against Kai Asakura back at Ryzen 15, but that fight got canceled. So I have to ask... I mean, first of all, what are the, I mean, how do you see this fight play out? And second, do you have anything about what these guys said? Because, of course, we tried to get an interview with Justin Scoggins, but nothing came about. Well, I still talked to him, Christian. Uh, remember, I, I had the opportunity to talk to him. And, um, um, and uh, he, you know, I'll, I'll get into a little bit to that after that, but I just want to say, so apparently when I reached out to Ryzen about, this originally being Sone versus Arisan Yamamoto, um, they said that that fight was never actually booked. It was actually a mistake in the graphics. Um, oh. So. Okay. That's what they. Let me actually get up. Uh, I'm gonna get up what they told me because I know that was reported initially. Um. It was yeah. It was never a confirmed fight. Um, they uh, they screwed up the uh, the the digital image of Ersan versus Sone. So hmm. yeah, that fight was not supposed to happen. That fight was not supposed to happen. Um, it would have been an interesting fight, um, but wasn't supposed to happen as it was reported. But regarding this fight, so there's a lot of there's a, a lot of stories behind this fight. So like you said, uh, Sone is three fight losing streak. He's been finished in. All those matches, by the way. Um, and Scoggins is on a four-fight losing streak. Um, three of those are by uh, uh, finish. but and one and Submission, they, actually. Uh, submission. Uh, Two rear naked chokes. I mean, a, le- a rear naked choke, a guillotine choke, and a, a leg scissors choke. Um, as well, um, but they both lost to Matoya. They both had the, the, the yeah that they did and both via submission by the way yeah and they are both karate people by background yep so there's a lot of a lot this fight is a very interesting fight um, just because there's so much similarities between the two I'm gonna read what Ryzen says about them uh, uh, Justin Scoggins will be making his return against Kazume Sone. Kazuma Sone. Both fighters have explosive stand-up. Scoggins with the kicks and Sone with the hands. Sone may have the upper hand in grappling. I don't know if I agree with that. 
who will make it, who will make it into the Ryzen Bantamweight mix with a solid performance. And um, I'm, I'm gonna read what they say because you always know Scoggins is always always say something interesting. But also, uh, Sony said something very interesting as well. So okay, so what did they say? They said, do, 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 do. Scoggins says, I'm honored to return to the Ryzen ring. I've been training really hard and believe I'm going to put on one of the best performances of uh, yet. I'm excited to get a win over an experienced veteran and progress myself further into contention for a Ryzen world title. My opponent may be experienced, but he's never faced, I've never fought anybody like with the unique skills I bring to the table. Fans can, work, can look forward to an intense striking display I plan to dance circles around this guy. And then uh, Kazuma Sone says, Thank you very much for such a strong opponent. The American Karate Kid? Question mark. If that's the case, I plan to release my Ryo Q Karate so that this will be an all-out karate war. I want to win this fight and hope to join the mix of the current four Bantamweight Kings of Japan. So we got... Sorry, go ahead, Christian. So, yeah, we got American Kempo Karate versus Japanese Ryukyu Karate. Ryukyu, yes. Um, and both are on losing streaks. Honestly, they both want to get snapped out of those losing streaks. This is the opportunity to do it. Uh, and, you know, very interesting fight to book. But I think, I think good old Tank is going to come in there. And I think he's going to steamroll over Kazuma Sone. Now, here's the thing with Skagas, though. And this is, if, if you watch his fights, this is what usually happens. He usually is winning. He's winning. And then he just, something happens. And then he, he loses. He gets submitted. That's what happened a lot in the Okazaki fight back at UFC. Um, um, the Matoya fight, really not so much. Uh, I believe the same thing happened in the Munoz fight as well, uh, that he was winning that, and then uh, he just um, got complacent, got caught in a choke. The Saeed Nurmagomedov fight, um, a lot of people thought he won that, but uh, he did not get the win, nonetheless. And um, that was his last fight in UFC before he was cut. So, I mean, it's a very, um, you know... I think that Scoggins will probably be the guy who who, who snaps the, the losing streak in this. I think he's the pro the better fighter overall. Um, I think that he'll be the faster fighter. I think he'll be the the stronger puncher of the two. Um, keep in mind that that Sone has lost uh, two of his most recent fights by TKO, and one was in the first rounds. Um, so. You know, and, and a lot of it, uh, a lot of his um, uh, losses are by some sort of TKO. So there is, you know, there is a lot more. T I think that's also the important important factor with with Scoggins being maybe the better the better puncher that we're gonna get uh, probably a knockout by Scoggins. I predict. I don't know the first or second round, but I think that Scoggins will will probably knock him out. What say you, Christian? So you're basically saying that Scoggins is gonna steamroll Sony. I think so. Right? I, yeah, I think I think that Sony is gonna is is not gonna be able to keep up with Scoggins. I think that Scoggins, hopefully without the social media distractions, without 
all this bad stuff that's been, you know, you know, is not gonna let it get to him mentally. Um, that I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna come in, um, what like, uh, what, what do you call it when you, uh, you're gonna come in a new man. He's gonna come in. A, he's gonna come in with a, with a great. He's focus. gonna basically feel reborn. Yes, uh, the reborn tank. I think will will be seen in this fight. Right, right. I mean, yeah. Tank is going to come in steep. The topology fan base does have the overwhelming advantage, 88% for Scoggins. I think when it comes down to Scoggins, seeing the fact that he's deleted all, I mean, seeing the fact that he's social media in him, you know, Back when he was in the UFC, he used to, especially when it came down to the Moya fight, how did he has got his Facebook account, which I tried to get an interview and it didn't work for the time being, but still, now that he's dropped out social media, he's going to have to channel his instincts. He's going to have to, I mean, he doesn't train alongside his brother-in-law, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, for the time being, but I think he's going to have to channel a little bit of Wonderboy into him. Yeah, it, it, you know what? If we see Wonderboy in his corner, um, heck, you know what? It's already, He's already won the fight to have, you know, one of the best uh, counterpunchers, uh, counterpunchers, karate uh, people in his corner will probably... Will, well, I'm I'm assuming that they must he must have done some training with him, uh, for this fight. If not, you know, I ask why. But to prepare, you know, I think that I think you put basically put the, yeah you put the nail on it. You know, I think we're gonna I think this will be a new Justice Goggins. I don't think we're gonna see the old Justice Goggins who would who comes into a fight he he starts winning and then you know and then fucks up and then gets finished in the second or third round. I think this fight this this. I'm hoping that this is a new Justin Scoggins that we see in the rising ring, that he looks at his losses, he realizes he had to make some changes, that, you know, the social media, uh, and I've talked to, you know, fighters talk about this, you know, they're, so, they're, they're fight, um, what do you call it, sports psychologists who tell them, get rid of your social media when you're fighting during, um, when, you're, when you're training, because it's just an unnecessary distraction. Um, it's, it, it, it's toxic. And I, I think that Scoggins realized it, and when he comes into this, I think we're going to see, we're going to, we're going to see, like you said, Tank was born. That we will, to be honest. And now that we, you know, now that we talked about that and the possibility of one of these guys, <laughs> Actually, sorry, question, 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 sorry, just quickly question, so, just want to also, you know, it's also important to bring up that they are both on lo massive losing streaks, uh, Sony 3, uh, Skyrim Yeah, you told four. me, I mean, yeah, we pretty much yeah. pointed that. But, I'm just curious to know, the, the loser of this fight, should they get cut from Ryzen, or not get another fight? Well, considering, the, I mean, considering the fact that Ryzen is an open company, you know, fighters come and go from the promotion. Obviously, there's not really that many exclusive contracts unless you're Boy Gucci or Nasukawa or Reina 
on King right now. But still, I mean, whoever wins, whoever loses this fight, they should probably think about their career options instead of, you know, getting cut. Well, that's the thing I was saying because, you know, yeah, I know that Ryzen doesn't, you know, but, I mean, eventually if somebody has, you know, a four-fight losing streak or uh, a five-fight losing streak, that's got to be, it's got to be, you know, potential retirement, maybe, even. Well, actually, not... Sorry, Christian, what was that? I'm sorry, action just kind of went out of whack a little bit. I just think that if Scoggins were to lose this fight, after all that he's been going through over the last, what, few years now, mm-hmm. I think that if he were to lose this fight, he shouldn't be thinking about retirement. He should be thinking his, you know, future. Because if he does, in, he's not going to have anybody to blame. Yeah, because also you know with a losing streak. Same thing goes for Sony. Mm-hmm. With a losing streak, not only does not only does your marketability go down, but also your your negotiation negotiating power goes down. And also, if your goal is to go back to UFC, at some point, UFC ain't gonna take somebody with a four five losing streak or a five five losing streak. So that is exactly. A, so it, it you know, and if you don't have any opportunity, if even if 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 the regional uh, MMA circuit won't won't give you a chance, then you know maybe it it, or it could be that uh, going into full time coaching might might be the only thing that's um, available. Right, right. Especially considering the fact that you know, I mean, this step in Wonderboy Thompson. Sorry, Christian, I lost you. Sorry, Christian. Yeah, like I was saying before my damn connection went out, he is Stephen Wonderboy Thompson's brother-in-law, so if he does lose, I wouldn't be surprised if he works alongside him as a coach rather than a fellow fighter. I think Sone, though, has a little bit of a, a little bit more upside because he does, you know, he fights for Shuto, and you know what? Shuto has had people of longer losing streaks. That that have not been uh, given book for more fights, so he probably he has uh, he could probably you know go back to shoot though um, if uh, he loses this fight. But I don't know if you're Scoggins, you lose this fight, you know it's going to be a lot harder in the future to get a, another fight. Yeah, and it's going to be a lot harder for his livelihood too. Oh, exactly, exactly. But yeah, I just wanted to ask that, and uh, with that, let's go on to the. Onto the sixth fight of the card. Mm-hmm. And this sixth fight is gonna be a, it's gonna be what? No, what am I saying? This sixth Ryzen eighteen fight is gonna be the final Ryzen lightweight Grand Prix fight. And it's like it's like both Joe Ferrara and Frank Trigg on the commentary table said at Ryzen seventeen, a win simply does not get you in. A good performance does. And I think I think that we're going to probably get a nice performance between Hiroto Oisako 
and Yves you know Landeur. First of all, for the Paris, France native Yves Landeur, 5'8", 154.3 pounds, he is 32 years old. For August 13, 1986, he represents the Snake Team fighting at Apelles, France. He is the Octo, he is the Octo Fight and 100% Fight Lightweight Champion in France. And he's currently riding a four-fight winning streak. Three of those four wins, well, two of those four wins via finish. One via Kimura, the other via, well, actually, no. Two of those wins are via first-round Kimura submission finish. His opponent, Yoloto Uesako, 5'9", 144.8 pounds, so he's going to be ballooning up 13 pounds to fight. He's 32 years old, born May 3rd, 1987 in Numazu, Shizuoka, Japan. He has a record of 15 and 7, representing Wajusu, Keshukai Hearts, and fighting out at Minato, Tokyo, Japan. He is currently riding a two-fight winning streak. Both of those wins come by way of finish. A knockout via cut. Over, to, over Kenichiro Togashi at Pancrase 300 back on October 21st, 2018. And a right low kick chest injury KO over Salim Khan Sadunov back at Pancrase 303 on March 17th. He is, if I'm not mistaken, uh, let's see, he is a former deep featherweight world title challenger. No. He is the former deep featherweight champion of the world and a one-time veteran of World FC and shoot boxing. I'm curious to know. So, oh, sorry. I, so I, now that now that you know the fighters, what are you about this fight? Well, first off, I wonder what I I, I have not seen these the Sadu uh fight. But I'm really curious to know what a low kick chest injury finish looks like. That sounds really, really nasty. Um, I'm pretty sure he probably kicked him in his ribs and he just felt it all throughout his chest. Ah, okay. Um, now, Yue Sako. Um, I've seen pictures of him. Um, when, he, when he came into the, the, to the Ryzen 18 press conference, he looked like an Amish person. Which I thought was very funny. He had a very Amish beard, and he had a very snazzy hat. He dresses very. He dress. You know, he kind of. He kind of reminds me of. Uh, when Sonata, say a Sonata from New Japan Pro Wrestling, when he comes in and, and and looks all dapper for those New Japan G1 press conferences, that's what uh, Yui Sako reminds me of. Oh, shit. So basically, what you're saying is. Wasako is a Japanese Amish person. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I'm a, and he's also got crazy hair as well. I don't, I don't know if it's the hair. You know, I couldn't tell because he's wearing a hat. But uh, I don't know. I wonder for, I wonder, I'm curious to know how he's gonna look for this fight. But um, so, interestingly enough, though, um, these two fighters are not only do they have the same record, but they are also of the same age, born different years. But also, just like, I find that so, I've never seen that before, where two fighters 
Um, you know, these are undefeated fighters and all that stuff. But these, these both, well, the both of them have a fifteen and seven record. I think that's gotta be like a first or like a very. That's a very rare occurrence when uh, fighters have the same record. Um, but uh, regarding these two fighters, um, I'm gonna read what Ryzen says. Um, uh, Yui Sako is a well-rounded striker who utilizes soccer ball kicks extremely well and will try to take his opponent's head off with every chance he gets. Eves has a unique Sanda style with various kicks and solid ground, which makes this a highly competitive and exciting fight. Um, and like I said, it is for the, it is a qualify for this lightweight tournament. Um, with, uh, let's see, so Yui Sako has a 65% finishing rate, while Landu, you know, has a finishing rate of 53%. Um, I'm gonna read, uh, what the fighters said um, about this fight when it was initially announced. Uh, nothing too exciting. There's no trash talk or anything of that sort, but nonetheless, I'm going to still read it. Um, Yuisako says, I would like to add a new flavor to the Ryzen lightweight division. Look out for my soccer ball kicks. I can soccer ball all day. Win or lose, I want to put on a fight where, I want to put on a fight where it's easy to understand. No hard stuff. Easy and simple. Simple. And hopefully I get the win. And uh, Landu says, I feel really honored to be selected to fight in Ryzen. Surely the best show in the world with some of the world's best fighters in this, in this tournament. My opponent is one of the toughest Japanese fighters. He will represent a tough test to me, and the best will be qualified for the World Grand Prix tournament. What a dream fight to eventually face Pitbull in the final match. Unifying the world title belt is something great in a, fight, in a fighter's career. What Horaguchi did is really inspiring to me. Also, just to mention as well that, that Landu is a uh, training partner of Cyril Diabate. Diabate, is that how you pronounce his last name? Cyril Diabate. Cyril Diabate. I almost want to say Diabate. Cyril Diabate. I'm trying to say Diabate. Okay, yes. Cyril Diabate. Diabate. Sorry. Um... And, um, mm -hmm. and somebody wanted me to try and, you know, get into contact with Surreal just to get a chance to interview Yves, but I don't know, because, of course, neither one of us speak French. He probably doesn't even know a lick of English. Neither one of them. Yeah. Um, that was, I thought that was a really strange conversation, but nonetheless, good to know that people want us to interview fighters that are non-English, and... We try to make it happen when we when it can, but for the most part, unfortunately, it cannot happen. But regarding th this fight, I think this would be a very good fight. The lightweight fights have been very good. Um, uh, oh, just to let also let you know as well, Landu has a loss against Ali Abdul Kalikov, who just recently lost to Tatsuya Crusher Karajiri at the last Ryzen show in a qualifying tournament. Uh, match. So keep that in the back of your mind. Also has a loss to Mansoor Baranoi, who um, won that Road SC Lightweight Championship as well. So he has lost against people, some people that are incredible, incredible fighters. Um, while uh, Yue Sako um, has a very he, he's lost before. He actually lost near the beginning of his career and then 
just started winning fights. You know, what happens a lot with Japanese fighters, they, they lose in their first few matches. But, um, few, yeah, few, oh, he also has a win over Guy Delamoux, um, back in 2017. Guy Delamoux? Delamoux, excuse me. Guy Delamoux? Yeah, sorry. Guy Delamoux, um, back in, um, 2017 and um yeah he he's he's a this is a guy who's hard to finish and basically like very rare like very rarely does it seem like fighters ever try to utilize soccer kicks for whatever reason i think because a lot of fighters just are not used to them but yui sako is yui sako has many has quite a few finishes by soccer kick and by like some sort of kick in general uh, TKO, and that is why I am picking Yuisako. I think that Yuisako is going to um, go through Landu like a like a French onion soup, a uh, fat guy eating a French onion soup, and he's going to impress everybody with some sort of great knockout uh, with an addition of soccer kicks. What say you, Christian? Hey, I'm. We surprised if Landu gets KO'd and gets ran through and gets spread out like a hot stick of butter through a baguette. <laughs> and obviously the topology fan base are saying so percent chance of a Hiroto Uesako win. Yeah, I I think I the you know if you even go go on uh YouTube I looked at a few of Yui Sako's knockouts. He is incredibly fast and extremely precise. I've watched Landu fight a few times, uh, and he's good, but I think that Yui Sako is just a, a, a many steps above him. And um, I don't, I, I don't see, I can't, I can't see what Landu um, is going to, how he can defeat um, Yui Sako. Uh, if he does, if he does, good luck, but. Um, Good on him, but I think this, um, I just, I think that, I think that, that Yuisako is going is to knock him out, and if he tries to get up, if you know, Landu tries to get up, he's going to add some soccer kicks to that, and, um, that's how the fight will be finished. And, uh, come to think of it, when it comes down to if one of these fighters end up going on to the rise in lightweight Grand Prix. Who do you think is who do you think are some ideal opponents for the winner? Um let's see. Well what um uh, I think it's interesting, you know, that maybe well Landu was defeated uh, lost a fight to Abdul Kalikov who recently who just lost to Kawajiri in the uh, lightweight tournament. I think it'd be interesting to put Kawajiri in Yuisako. I mean, here's the only thing, though. I don't want to see Kawajiri get knocked out um, if, the, if, they, if these two fight. But the, I think that would be interesting stylistic matchup in that case. Um, now, he said something interesting. He said that, you know, he, he said he wants to eventually... Uh, that, uh, uh, that uh, Who was it that said... Um, he mentioned Pitbull. Um... Oh yeah, it was Landu who who said that uh that that he a dream fight that eventually faced Pitbull in the final match. Now I don't know if if he misinterpreted what Ryzen is doing or if he spilled the beans on something, but 
If he's saying that he wants to face Pitbull in the final match, is he saying that that Pitbull is going to eventually win? Pitbull is going to go on to the finals, or is he saying that Pitbull is going to be just is is he going to be um uh what should we call it? Uh, get, getting a buy into the finals. Well, I mean, to be honest, even though, yeah, we forgot to mention as well that Yves Landou is also the third competitor to fight in the rise. Well, actually, the third competitor to fight in ring opposite Kevin Petchy. And Sam uh, Samantha John Francois. Petchy, Jerome Labana, and. Oh, yeah, Jerome Labana, I forgot. Yeah, name. Samantha John Francois. But, yeah, I, I think that if Yves Landou were to face off against the Chucky Pitbull, if they're not putting opposite sides of the brackets, I think that they'll probably be fighting one another, and I think that Pitbull will probably, I mean, Patricky Pitbull will probably win that fight. Mm -hmm. But as far as Rue Sucko, who do you think would be a more suitable opponent for him? Well, I guess probably Pitbull in that case. Um, there's a reason why he's called Pitbull. I think, I think that, I think that Pitbull probably would be very much, you know, these two would be bring an incredibly aggressive and and very and stand up um, stand up type fight. Oh, I'd love to also mention as well. You know who Yui Sako's um, who he's a, who he was an understudy for, and uh, when he was training MMA, Akiyama, Yoshihiro Akiyama. Uh, Andrew, you there? Oh yes, yes, yes. Um, I was just saying as well that Yui Sako was. What were you talking about there? Oh, that 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 Yui Sako um, was is a protege of Yoshihiro Akiyama. Oh, sexy Yama. Yep. Uh, now um, with uh, one, I believe, right? Unfortunately, yes, yeah. he fought. One FC and obviously lost his first fight in about four years. Yeah, um, he's all, yeah, he also, uh, yeah, he also, uh, um, also trained under uh, Kenji Osawa. Um, uh, sorry, yeah, Ken, Kenji Osawa and uh, Yushin Okami. Um, <laughs> Yushin Thunder Okami, yeah, also a fun by the way. Uh, but uh, yeah, so, um, mm -hmm. I th in terms of a uh, Yui Sako, um, yeah, I think that maybe the Pitbull fight might be the most stylistically interesting matchup. Um, if you put him against De Souza, I don't know, you know, I think De Souza would win that easily. Nah, if you put him up against De Souza, somebody ain't gonna make it out of that first round. Exactly, and Johnny Case, I think, is probably just too well rounded um, to. I think he would just. I think he would just be dominated by uh, Johnny Case. Um, yeah, he'll probably cut him up in like a can of soup. Exactly. Um, but I, th you know, I think I think those are you know, if if I had to put him up against anybody, I think Pitbull fight's probably the most interesting one to make. Mhm, mm I can understand that. Do you would you put would you put him against Pitbull or somebody else? Yeah, I would probably. I mean, if the as far as Landu goes, obviously Pitbull would murder him. As far as Pitbull versus Uesako goes, I think that would be a nice little 
I think that would be a nice fight stylistically, even though it wouldn't see the final bell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But enough about all that. You want to go to the next fight? Sure thing. Andrew? Yep, yep. Uh, we can go on to the next fight. Okay. Because this fight is going to be taking place at the very rare unicorn of MMA. <laughs> that is the men's strawweight division. <laughs> Hollywood Ochi will be taking on Jarrett the Monkey God Brooks. And as far as the Monkey God goes, he's going to be coming in off a one-year layoff. Hollywood Ochi. Five feet three inches tall, 114.9 pounds. He is 35 years old on February 2nd, 19, February 7th, 1984, in Saijo, Ihime, Japan, representing Palesta, Ihime, and fighting out of. Oh, and actually, I forgot. Hanuochi is the current deep. Men strawweight world champion. He's 19-7-2 overall, riding a seven-fight winning streak, including knocking out Misuhisa Sanabe, the soon-to-be Pancrates Hall of Famer Misuhisa Sanabe. He has soccer kick and punches, two minutes, 53 seconds of round number three at Ryzen 13 last September, and more recently defeated Namiki Kawahara via unanimous decision back. He represents Karesta Ihime and fights out of Matsuyama Ihime, Japan. His opponent, obviously, what more can be said about Jarrett the Monkey God Brooks that hasn't already been spewed about? He is 14 and 2 overall, 5 feet 3 inches tall, weighing 100, last weighing 125 and a half pounds. He is 26 years old, born May the 2nd, 1993, so I'm older than him by six months. He represents, well, he formerly represented the MASH fight team in Detroit, Michigan, but still, he is Detroit through and through. He is the second fighter from the state of Michigan to this card, the fifth fighter from the state of Michigan overall on this card. You know, there's anything to say about him is this. He's a former House of Fame MMA lightweight champion. He holds two finishes at Bantamweight, two finishes at Strawweight, which both of those fights were in Japan. Knockout wins over Junji Sawamaru Ito and the Requiem Jun Nakamura for WSOF Global and Pancras. But still, this will be monkey. This will be the monkey god's first fight outside the UFC since October second, twenty sixteen, when he knocked out Jun Nakamura, and his first fight overall since he defeated Roberto, no, Roberto Little Fury Sanchez, Houston MMA product, back on September ninth, twenty eighteen, and then got. So, what say you? What do you think is going to happen in this fight? And what they say 
I mean, what did they say in the press release? Because I got to tell you about an interview that I had with him yesterday, but you get to your stuff first. Sure, so uh, I'm just going to read what Bryson has said about uh, Haru Ochi and Jared Brooks. They classify Ochi as an all-rounder uh, and Brooks as a grappler, and they write, Jared Brooks looks to make a statement in the strawweight division against Haru Ochi. Brooks brings the insane explosiveness and aggressiveness, while Ochi delivers more of the well-rounded style. Soccer ball kicks and knees to a grounded opponent will be a key to this fight. And this is what they said about the fight, these two characters. Do, 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 do. Getting up right now. Okay. There we are. Okay. So, Brooks. Brooks says, I am very excited to make my Ryzen debut. I have always loved competing in Japan. Now the fight for the biggest organization in Japan. Very pleased to sign and fight with this great organization. I think that Haru Ochi is a very well-rounded strawweight, but I'm going to come at him like a spider monkey. <laughs> Ochi, Ochi says, I am very grateful for Ryzen giving me another strawweight fight, and I am very blessed to be matched up with such a tough opponent. Jared is a fighter who made an impact in the UFC at a heavier weight class, I've always thought that he was the best strawweight in the world. If I could beat Jared, I know that I can proudly say that I am the best strawweight in the world. I want to show that strawweights can put on exciting fights and can finish fights. Hope everybody enjoys the two best strawweights in the world go at it. That's the other thing as well. So, the strawweight division in America is basically non-existent. So, uh, Jared... Well, Brooks, actually, it's not only non-existent, it's basically next to nothing. Exactly. So, Jared Brooks was fighting at, as you said, Bantamweight. Flyweight. I think he may have even fought a featherweight at one point. Did he fight a featherweight at one point? Maybe like uh, one? Yeah, he probably did. As a matter of fact, from the interview that I had with him yesterday, which was a pretty nice talk that we had, I sent you an advanced copy of it. I'm going to be releasing it in a couple of days. But still, this dude basically... This dude, I mean, we basically shot the shit without shooting the shit, you know? He basically talked about how he could lift 240 pounds despite his 115-pound frame. He basically also talked to me about how he wants to be a lighter weight dynamo. He basically knows that he's a star at strawweight, at flyweight, at Bantamweight and maybe even at Featherweight, and he wants to face off against Kiyoshi Horiguchi or Madel Cape down the line. Oh, interesting. Um, then, uh, the, the, the Cape talk, though, would be imagine just a trash talk between these two. Um, by the way, if, 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 any, if, if you don't know, uh, so Jared Brooks, if you follow him on Twitter, he trashes the flyweight division of, of the UFC whenever there's a fight. It's really funny. Um, he is always just trashing everybody, um, um, just throwing shade on most of the fighters. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, also here's the other thing as well. He is also essentially undefeated. He's unofficially undefeated. Um, for you probably you might know Jared Brooks as he was the guy who self knocked out himself after uh, when he was fighting Sh uh, Shorty Torres. Well, like it was like a what was it? it was like a Canadian destroyer, it was like kind of like that. I have no idea how to describe how the knockout, but basically Torres didn't knock out Jared Brooks. Brooks knocked himself out. 
And then after that, Brooks had a fight uh, against. I'm gonna. Um, oh, before that, I apologize. Before that, he had a fight against uh, Deviousun uh, Figueredo. Uh, how do you pronounce his name, um, Christian? Deviousun Figueredo. Um, which went to a split decision, but everybody thought that he won that match. And he, he won his last match in UFC and got cut despite the loss. So, this guy is basically... Well, actually, no, he got cut despite the win. But, yeah, sorry. Basically, he has fought bigger guys almost in his entire career, uh, and he has won in dominating fashion um, in almost all of them. And... He's an accomplished... Mm -hmm. I mean, to be quite honest, he's got two first-round bantamweight finishes. He's got two second-round submission finishes at strawweight. Yeah. Also, he's all... If you go on YouTube, you can see his um his amateur wrestling, his collegiate wrestling, and he is really good, really fast. Like you said, benching 220 pounds, was it? Or something along? 240, but yeah, you're kind of right on yeah. that. He is incredibly strong. He's incredibly explosive. I think this. I think this will be a great match. But I think that Haru Ochi is going is going to have a uh, going to bite off more than he can chew. And I think that Brooks is going to get a, a a a win in this one. And you know, if Brooks is going to Brooks can be the leader of the strawweight division. Um, if he wants to face Horiguchi at some point, I think it's a very interesting fight to make stylistically. Um. The cape fight would be also interesting because these two would just trash talk each other into until the uh, until the earth uh, uh, explodes in the sun. Yeah, these. I think that Brooks can bring a lot to Ryzen. I really do think so, and especially you know it's great that, that that with him in it, we we now have more in the in the men's strawweight division, and it means that it can get expanded now. Hiroshi is a great fighter. He absolutely destroyed Tsunabe. And hasn't lost since 2016, excuse me, 2015. And, but with that, um, it's, you know, I just think that Brooks is going to be the better fighter overall. So, uh, someone who has more experience, someone stronger, someone who's more fast, more explosive. And someone, and, oh, did he say why he had the year layoff, Christian? Well, to be honest, no. But I have probably... I mean, I would have probably noticed that he would have taken, I mean, he would have taken this year off because of the fact that he wanted to rebuild himself. You know, he felt he was unjust, to, he felt he was unjustly cut by the UFC. And of course, you know, weighing over his options, he still wants yeah. to I, I, tag Shorty Torres' ass. Oh, I just want to say also that he, he did have two bouts scheduled for this year. Um, but, uh, why did not happen? Um, let me see. Uh, one was due to fight, uh, uh, his opponent's medical issues, and the other reason was the fight was canceled prior to the event. Uh, no reason given other than that. Um, and those were for, um, that was, one was for TWC, Total Warrior Combat, and the other one was WXC, um, which is Warrior where, Extreme Cage Fight. Which is where, you know, a lot of the Michigan fighters start off. Um, uh, start the career that, but yeah, what does the topology people say ha uh, say about this fight? Topology has, well, obviously, 
even though Jarrett Brooks is coming off of one year of layoff, the topology faithful are basically saying that 83%, 83% of the topology faithful are saying that that Jarrett Brooks is going to get the win in this one because, to be honest, they've seen him in the UFC. They've seen him, you know, bust his ass in those four fights. I mean, they don't know much about Paulo Ochi, but they do know some Jarrett Brooks, and they think that Jarrett Brooks is probably going to get one hell of an advantage. Oh, yes. And I have the, yeah, you know, like, like we said, you know, we... I gave all of uh, Jared Brooks's reasons why I think he's gonna win this. He's fought bigger people. He's he's used to fighting. He's used to fighting tall, as they say, fighting bigger. And I think he's gonna come in here and he's going to. Uh, he's going. I think he's gonna come in. Uh, like a like a house of uh, like a, what do you call it? like a, what's what's the saying go like a house like of, a house of blaze. Yes, like a house on fire. Yeah, I think yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if, if he goes right in for a takedown and then tries to finish uh, Ochi that way. Um, well, yeah, yeah, you 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 picked uh, Brooks as well, Christian. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, I, I think I you know this you know and but you know hopefully this fight will be a precursor to more men's strawweight matches, whether that be just having more fighters from Japan or trying to get more fighters internationally. I know it'll be harder to get fires outside Japan just because American strawweight is just yeah, like I said, it's non-existent. It's not even dead and buried because it was never born. So yeah, I mean, come to think of it, it just shows you that no American man would be willing to, you know, dilute themselves down to pat mule size just to, you know, fight in MMA. I mean. I basically asked him, you know, how would that make people who are skinnier than yardsticks fight in professional MMA? And he basically said, you know, he was just trying, he's just trying to make that happen. He's just trying to, you know, bring about the fact that men, that American men in lighter weight divisions can kick just as much ass as men in heavier divisions. Yeah, but unfortunately, you know, a kind of an America... I don't want to say there's a stigma, but there's a there are a, a lot of Mer- a lot of Western MMA fans just are not attracted to small weight classes for men, for whatever reason. Um, it's a thing here. It's just a thing here. You know, it, it's it, it's funny that you know it's funny when you say that because you know when uh, at one point you know. Uh, nobody was paying attention to featherweights and the bantamweight divisions, but now, um, you know, obviously the the most famous MMA fighter of all time, Conor McGregor, you know, featherweights, you know, uh, fighting, you know, almost. Well, so you can basically thank promotions like Tachi Palace fights and Cage Warriors for that. Yeah, and also it's not as pretty- well as Bellator as well because you know, of course, they had. Zach Funsize Mikulski be a champion for a little bit. Don't and let's not forget um um. Oh my God! Um, oh, where did where, where did Pettis start again? What was the name of the promotion that Pettis started in? Um, oh my God, I'm forgetting. Uh, you mean Sergio Pettis? No, no, Anthony Pettis. What the Anthony Pettis in a Benson Henderson match uh, that happened uh, with the famous show. Oh, WEC. WEC. Yeah, WEC. The Blue Cage. Yeah, the WEC, which was basically the forerunner to all the um, um, um basically. 
the WEC was the forerunner of the UFC Bantamweight and Featherweight Division. No, the UFC Bantamweight and Featherweight Division and the relaunch of the Lightweight Division. Yeah, and some arguments that um that um it was even that it's better uh, then than it was now, which you know I could definitely agree with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and with that, Christian, uh, shall we go on to the next bout? Ah, yes, and this next fight closes out the three Michiganders that are going to be a part of this card as of the six overall competitors out of the state of Michigan who have fought in the Rising Ring. It's Alicia Zapatella going in the toughest test of her young career as she takes on the 2017 Rising Super Animate Grand Prix winner, Kana Hasakura. Now, first of all, Patel interviewed days ago, if you're listening back, Patella is 4 feet 11 inches tall. She weighs at 106 pounds. And she has 60 inch, 24 years old, born February, I mean, born February the 28th. 1995, she fights out of Scorpion Fight Systems in Brighton, Michigan, but hails from Yisplanty, Michigan, home to Eastern Michigan University. She holds a professional MMA record of 5-1 with one no contest, and just recently wrapped up a three-fight stint in Invicta FC. All three of those bouts ended via unanimous decision, 2-1 overall. Her opponent, as mentioned, the 2017 Rising Super Animate Grand Prix winner, Kana Asakura, 5 feet 2 inches tall, 104.9 pounds, 21 years old, born October 12, 1997, representing Paresta Matsudo under the stylings of and wrestling and fighting out of Kashiwa, Chiba, Japan. She has a professional MMA record of 14 wins and 4 losses. But she holds a rising record of, let's see, 5 and 2. 5 and 2. And she most recently defeated Tomomai Sawa, the Deep Jewels Animate Champion, before losing to perhaps her oldest opponent to date, Miyu Yamamoto back at Ryzen 16 via unanimous decision. So, oh, and also she lost to Ayaka Hamasaki for the Ryzen Animate title at Ryzen 14. So, we got a girl who's fought Hamasaki before versus a woman who's basically looking to make a name for herself in the strawweight division. And, oh, by the way, She's only one of two Scorpion Fighting System teammates to be on this card. First of all, what are your thoughts about Alicia Zapatella being squared off against Kana Sakura? And what are what are some of the things that they say? Because I know that when it came down to the Zapatella interview, I'm pretty sure some of the stuff that she said to us was what she said in the press release. You are correct, Christian. Um... Ryzen, um, they both ca- uh, characterize them as grapplers, and they write, Ryzen versus Invicta continues. Both fighters share the same skill sets with great wrestling and strong top control. 
Azakura is coming off of a loss by being outgrappled. Zapatella is coming off of a loss by being outstruck. Which contender has learned more from their loss? And I'm gonna see what either of them had, what both of them had to say about the the fight or the other. Let me get that up. Alicia's. It's okay, man. Take your time. Alicia Zabatella. All right. Ah, here we are. Ah, Kanazakura. I'm on a two-fight losing streak. And but I've learned from it, and I am planning to show a new Kana Azakura to the fans. My opponent is a great wrestler, and she fights a fight I am not fond of, fond of as an opponent. And Zabatello says, "I am incredibly honored for the opportunity. It has always been a dream of mine to fight in Ryzen. I am excited to put on a show for the crowd that respects martial arts so highly." And um, I gotta say, you know, one of the things that that well, I want to point to two of uh, Kana Azakura's losses in uh, in Ryzen. Two of the three. So, two of them were to, in her debut against Alyssa Garcia, uh, one of Josh Barnett's uh, students, and to Miyamoto, which happened uh, just uh, quite a while ago. So, in those two losses, yes, she was outgrappled by two highly decorated uh, wrestlers. Felicia Zapatella herself is a highly dec decorated wrestler. She, uh, she did it in high school. Um... Excuse me, I, I think she did it. Did she do it in college as well? Um, um, yeah, she basically, no, and actually, she didn't do college wrestling. She just said she spent a little time in college, as you remember, but college wasn't for her. Yeah, that's how it was. And, um, sorry, I am watching the G1 as I am talking to you, so my mind is, is like going boop, 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 boop. Okay. But I was going to say, here's the thing about, about her losses. She it's okay, it's okay. It's uh, Alyssa Garcia and Miyu Yamamoto both out-wrestled. Huh? Uh, Miyu and Alyssa Garcia both out-wrestled uh, Kana Azakura. And, you know, I think that Kana Azakura, despite her strength being as a wrestler, I think that... Uh, I think that... Hmm... I think that problem, her greatest strength is also maybe her greatest weakness. Does that, you understand what I'm saying? Um, I think that what she, 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 she's so good at wrestling. How so, though? She's good at, she's so good, at, she's a good wrestler herself, but problem is that when she goes up against with somebody who has the same techniques as her, it's very hard for her to kind of like fight against them, I guess. Because uh, she, yeah, because I mean, look what happened with Miyu and Alyssa Garcia. They both out wrestled her. And I'll be honest, I think the same thing's going to happen in this fight. I think we're going to see it's going to be the same thing with Alicia and, um, and, uh, Miyu. It's, it's going to go the exact same way. Um, I, I think we're going to see, uh, these, uh, Alicia's going to, is going to out grapple Kana and she's going to, uh, work her for possibly three rounds. Uh, what do you think, Christian? My connection kind of dropped out for a second, but still, when it comes down to Kana Asakura, she's currently riding a two-fight losing streak in the Ryzen ring. She's one and two in her last three. But if you think about it, who's going to be, you know, coming into this fight, Fresh, 
considering she just had, I mean, she just won three of her last four. Well, two of her last three is Victor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Floyd actually three and four, I think. I don't know. I mean, three and one. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I don't even know what to say. Uh, so you you think that Khan's gonna win this? Um, yeah, I'm basically saying Kyla will win this, but she's gonna try. She's gonna have a to adapt to Zapatella's style, particular style of wrestling. I see. I see. Do you think that Khan can can finish her? I don't think she can finish her, but it's going to be a struggle for her to finish her. Mm, I see. I mean, do you think... think... Sorry, uh, what was your question? Basically, you picked you picked Zapatella. I picked Oscar, so I guess we're gonna have to agree to disagree. Do you, so. Well, I have a question. What do you th- if Kano loses this match? Though, what do you think will be next for her? She'd be on a three fight rise and losing streak. Sorry, my cat's trying to give me some <laughs> input. <laughs> but still, I think that if Oscar wins this fight. I mean, if Asakura wins this fight, yeah, she's definitely going to want to fight Amasaki again. She's definitely going to want to fight for the, I mean, she's definitely going to want to fight for the Rising Super Animate belt. But if she loses, I mean, what the hell can be next for her? I mean, she could probably go to, you know, Deep Jewels and try and take the Animate belt from Tomo Maisawa. In a rematch against those two. Oh, she definitely would be able to win win that. But the thing is that also is that, you know, have you noticed that we're seeing a lot of Ryzen originals who are, you know, with Yusuke Yachis, the Reinas, the uh, Karazakuras. Um, we're seeing a lot of them not progressing so successfully as the years as Ryzen has gone on. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, there's there's obviously exceptions like Kaizakura or Kyoji Horiguchi and a bunch of and a few others, but I'm surprised that like the Kanazakuras, the King Reinas, uh, Yusuke Yachis, they're not they're not as successful as when they first started out. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, to be honest, maybe they just realize that their time is starting to pass them by. Maybe they realize it's about time for them to just. Either turn over a new leaf or just go ahead and call it in. Because if they're not really doing too much to improve, what's the point of them still fighting for Rise? Mm-hmm. And do you have any other thoughts on this match? Mm, no, I just hope those two ladies give it one hell of a good fight. Me too, me too. And with that, we need to talk about the next uh, non-MMA kickboxing bout because this one is going to be a doozy. Uh, yeah, the third and final kickboxing bout on today. I mean, on this card, on this Rising 18 card, a 165-pound kickboxing match between the Geislinger, Joe Weinpaar, and Brazilian-Japanese competitor, 
and Milo Zanolini, who's returning to the Rising Ring for, I think, the first time since 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, do, you, do you need particulars, uh, since it is a kickboxing? Particulars for oh. Zanolini. Huh? Oh, I was going to say, yeah, if you need particulars. Kickboxing, 165 pounds. I mean, come, I mean, come on, man. We're, try, we're trying to get this shit over with. Mm-hmm. No, no, I'm saying go ahead, go ahead. But, yeah, but still, point of the matter is Danilo Zanolini is... Danilo Zanolini, born July 29, 1980 in, I think, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, but now fighting out of... now fighting out of his own gym, who's gym? In Nagoya, IG, Japan, he stands in at 174 centimeters, and I'm sorry, man, I'm looking at this off the Ryzen website. He stands in at 174 centimeters, which is uh, 174 centimeters, five feet seven inches tall, and he weighs in at 75 kilos, 165 pounds. His opponent, the Gunslinger. Well, who will be looking for his 100th professional win in kickboxing, by the way? John Wayne Parr, 5 feet 10, 159 pounds with a 71 inch reach, age 43, born May 25th, 1976, and fighting off the Gold Coast of Queensland, Australia. He holds a professional kickboxing record of 99 wins. And 33 losses with 46 of those 99 wins by way of knockout. And as if to, as if it's not enough, he also has a bout in boxing coming up where the 10 and 3 Wayne Paul will be facing off against former world title challenger Anthony Mundine in October. But for now, it's John Wayne Paul versus Danilo Zanolini. What were your thoughts? What are your thoughts about this fight? What did they say in the press release? And, I mean, you heard, uh, we heard him talk about this in the interview that we had with him. Do you think that the fight between him and Mundine will probably be, you know, a little bit of a distraction going into this fight? Well, um, I don't think it will be. And this, this is basically a tune-up fight. Uh, well, I, I can say semi-tune-up fight because that's gonna be a tradition. That's gonna be a uh, an orthodox uh, traditional boxing match, and this is a kickboxing match. Uh, the big fight with Anthony Mundine, and uh, have they decided whether they're gonna have that match uh, yet, Christian? They decided they were gonna have that match on uh, November 29th, which over here in the states would be Thanksgiving week for us. Yes, yeah, a great way to uh, eat tur- uh, eat some turkey and watch John Wayne Parr uh, box. But uh, yes, uh, Ryzen says that these are two veterans of the sport uh, who will be showcasing their skills against one another. JWP has... Oh, and uh, first of all, what's Zanolini's pro record? Oh, uh, uh, 41 wins, 20 KOs, 21 decisions. Uh, wow. Uh, and 12 losses. Um, so 41 and 12. Yeah, 41 and 12. 20 knockouts. Yes. And... Um, John, John Wayne Parr has been through every has been has been everywhere. He still possesses the skills and power to get the job done. Zanolini has a power and combinations to be a threat to anybody. And um, let me see what both of these uh, 
John Wayne Parr said, I have been very lucky to fight in Japan 16 times in the past, starting in 1998 when I fought Kohi. The last time I fought in Japan was 2008 when I defended my WKBA world title against Kozo. Japan is one of my favorite countries to fight in, so hope, the ho hopefully my win will... Uh, so to hopefully win my 100 fight in Japan will make it even more special. And then Zanolini said he's happy to be fighting back in Ryzen, um, especially against a fighter who he looks up to so much. I am very excited to be facing such a legend. I promise you that I will show everybody a hard-fought, exciting fight, so please come watch our fights live. And, you know, I've I, I seen Zanolini box, uh, kickbox. He's pretty good, but he's not a John Wayne Parr level good. John Wayne Parr takes this. Very easily, in my opinion. I think first round uh, knockdown or three knock uh, three knockdowns. What do you say, Christian? Huh. I mean, you know, are you kidding? Even though people are going to probably focus more towards John Wayne Parr versus Anthony Mundini, I definitely think that John Wayne Parr is going to KO Zanolini. And he's going to get his 100th win. Um, um, and, yeah, it'll be a great way to, you know, Bring in his 100th win, and it's, it'll be a good way for him to get a little bit of a, uh, a semi-tune-up fight for that a big Anthony Mundine fight, which is supposed to be a huge fight. Um, really, really big in Australia. I don't know if it'll translate well to American audiences, but hopefully, you know, it can get some sort of coverage here, that fight, because it, it is really a big fight. Well, to be quite honest, when it comes down to John Wayne Paul's career in the U.S., he's only fought like a few times here in the States. Some fights in New Mexico and Las Vegas and California, especially for Lion Fight. He hasn't really scratched the surface of fighting all our country as much as he has all throughout the world. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't see. Uh, unfortunately, there's no topology um poll because it's a kickboxing fight. But I have to believe that probably the majority of people believe that JWP will take this fight. Um, and, oh, most definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I, yep, I think it's to be another knockout to add to uh JWP's record, and uh, maybe he'll get some flowers and a nice trophy to take home with on his 100th win. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, to be honest, it would be customary that they would do the whole flowers gimmick before, you know, such a historic milestone. Exactly. I mean, if anything, I would hope that, I mean, if anything, just to, you know, all BS aside, I would hope that if Manoa Man fights in Ryzen and he ends up getting his 100 win or, I guess, 110th win, he would be getting flowers and stuff prior to his bout. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you think they're going to make a big deal out of this being um, um, uh, JWP's 100th fight? Uh, not 100th fight, 100th win? Do you think that they're going to maybe have like a little... you think they'll do like any ceremony or anything like that for him? Hopefully they will. I mean, it wouldn't be a big fight like this without it. Yeah. Right? No, exactly, I agree, I agree. Um... But with that, um, shall we go on to the next fight, Christian? Yes, we should, because this is a fight. This next fight here is going to be a fight that will probably decide the international pecking order for the 
for who's potentially going to face off against Kyoji Horiguchi. It's about between the star boy, El Prada Jail, El Cape, and the former WEC UFC Shuto and ACB veteran Takeda's guy. First of all, the particular from El Cape. He's 25 years old, born November 14, 1993, in Portugal. O Porto, Portugal. He's 5 feet 6 inches, 33 and a third pounds. He has a 13 and 4 professional MMA record, formerly representing VS team in O Porto, Portugal, by way of Angola. He now fights out of AKA Thailand under Mike Quickswick. In Bangkok, Thailand, if I'm not mistaken, right? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He is 13 and 4 overall, but he is 4 and 3 inside the rising ring with big finishing victories over Urson Batman, Alvaro, Ian, Uncle Creepy McCall, and a very controversial faction, mm-hmm. Isaku Nakamura and Zaichi no Ito. But losses to Kyoji Hori, Oka Sasaki, and Kai Asakura. <clears throat> His opponent is probably one of the most decorated JMMA veterans, and one of the most decorated lightweight JMMA veterans, did side of <laughs> Takanoi, I guess. <laughs> His name is Takeo Mizugaki. He's 5 feet 7 inches tall, weighs 135.5 pounds with a 69.5 inch reach. 35 years old, born December 16, 1983, in Ibaragi, Japan. He holds a professional MMA record of 23 wins, 13 losses, and 2 draws, representing shooting Jim Hake, fighting out of Hayama, Kanagawa, Japan. Oh, and he, I mentioned, he is a former ACB veteran. Well, actually, he is a three-fight ACB veteran going one and two in that promotion. He is a UFC veteran going, let's see, UFC veteran and let's see, eight and one, two, four. He went eight and six inside the octagon. In the WEC, he went two and three inside the blue steel. And he's also a veteran of greatest. He is also a veteran of Cage Force and Shuto. And he's also a former WEC bandweight title challenger, losing to Miguel Angel Torres. But still. We got probably one of the most legendary JMMA lighter weight competitors facing off against a facing off against virtually a bad boy, to be honest. So who do you think is uh, I mean, what are your thoughts about this fight and what did these guys have to say in the press release? Well, as you always know, Manel Cape always has something interesting to say, uh, whenever you put a microphone in front of him. So this is what Manel Cape had to say. Looking at my next opponent, I see someone experienced and at the same time finished. I know he does not want to do this anymore. The process of this sport is cruel physically and psychologically. 
Looking at his last fights, I saw a fighter in a state of brutal decay. I want to know if this fight will be healthy for him. Clearly not. Looking from my side, you can see a young fighter experienced and with much to offer. I am currently working with extreme dedication, attention, and all the details. I will not make mistakes. I want to be phenomenal. I want that this fight will expand more my name in J Japanese territory. And that is the goal for the moment. To expand my name for that to happen August 18th, I will, I will retire with a lot of courtesy to Kaya Mizugaki. And Mizugaki didn't have that much else to say. He said that he's grateful for the, for the opportunity. And he's going to use his time to, uh, to get the Horiguchi fight and beat him. Um, and uh, basically also rise in uh, Instagram puts this as a youth versus experience fight with uh, Manel Cape obvious with the youth uh, being 25 and Mizugaki uh, being obviously you know uh, a fighter who's been around for many and many a uh, year 23 as you said 23 13 and 2 versus 13 and 4 oh just like yeah that. I mean Mizugaki's been fighting from the last Mizugaki's been fighting for the last 14 years. Yeah. Whereas Manel Cape, he has been fighting for the last seven. Exactly. And, you know, it's great that Mizugaki is coming back, is uh, fighting on a big stage in Japan. Unfortunately, I think that Manel Cape is right. I think that Mizugaki is on a decline as a fighter and potentially also physically. I do not think that, uh, I will not see this fight going lasting too long. I think Manel Cape is going to knock out. Mizugaki or gonna knock him down and get a submission win and uh, will be uh, a potential uh, number one contender next for uh, Kyoji Horiguchi. What do you say, Christian? I mean, to be honest, you wouldn't be wrong on that because when it comes to <laughs> when it comes down to Mizugaki, he's one and four in his last five. And that includes his UFC run, I mean, the end of his UFC run and the entirety of his ACB run. Yeah. Even though, of course, no, it actually... He also, he, he also, not, I think he got knocked out a lot as well in his uh, um, ACB run, right? Didn't he have like two or three knockout, gain knockout losses? Uh, uh, actually, no, he lost to Rustam Kirimov. To open up his ACB run, but oh shit, I, I probably need to be reminded of the fact that he uh, is riding a two fight win streak. Excuse me, he's riding a two fight winning streak, defeating former UFC, defeating former UFC debutant turned weight, turned weight Mister PJ the Pitbull Mienga, and more recently back on May 12th, defeating Shoshi Maoyama back at the 89th impact but you are right an old man's game i mean you are right mma is starting to get younger and younger and i don't see takei mizugaki staying on for that long so i think manel cape's gonna take the win in this one do you uh what do the topology people say oh topology topology faithful they're basically saying that 70 percent I mean, they're basically saying there's a 70% chance of a Manel Cape victory. I don't, I cannot disagree with that. Uh, and I think that Cape will finish Mizugaki. And uh, if they give him a uh, I think, I think second round he finishes him. Um, 
by knockout or submission. And then I think if they give him microphone, I think he's going to call out Horiguchi um, for a title shot. I'm pretty sure he will. This will be easy money for uh, for the for the easy money fighter. Easy fucking money. <laughs> Anything else you want to say? Yeah, uh-huh. you want to, let's move on to this next match, and this might be actually a fight of the night, in my personal opinion. Oh, uh, yes, most definitely. It will be a fight of the night because we interviewed both of them, and they obviously felt like it was going to be the same way. It's, Vic, it's La Mangosta, Victor Henry versus Trent Nino Loco Gerdham. First of all, the particulars. Victor Henry, the monkey. If I can find him, I mean, my goodness, it's not really all that easy working with shoddy internet. Mm. But still, all we know is the fact that Victor Henry is a veteran fighting out of Josh Barnett's UWF USA camp, and we interviewed him, and we had a lot of fun with him. Oh, and here's his record. 18 and 4 overall, 5 feet 7 inches tall, weighing in at 136 pounds. He's 32 years old, born May the 4th, 1987, in Southgate, Los Angeles, California, USA. He represents the UWF USA camp under the Warmaster Josh Barnett and Uchenya Anyikan. He is currently riding a six fight winning streak, which includes him defeating Yuki Motoya back at Deep 88 Impact to become the Deep Bantamweight Champion of the World. As far as his opponent goes, Trent Nino Loco Gearham, five inches tall, 135 and a half pounds, age 22, born Trent Born Trent Thomas Gerdham, August the 3rd, 1997, in Western Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. Representing Tiger Muay Thai and MMA, he fights out of Phuket, Thailand, by way of Sydney, West, by way of Western Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. He is riding a three-fight winning streak in MMA, all three of which came by... Stoppage. He defeated Yong E at Wolen Fang Wars 28 via second round Dr. Stoppage. He defeated Fabio Mello at UAE Warriors 1 back on May 3rd. And he defeated Hamza Bogamza at UAE Warriors 2 via second round rear naked choke back on July the 5th. He also fought one time in shoot boxing, losing to Kenta Yamada via majority decision in the 2018 shootbox in S Cup, and he was a two—he was a three-fight veteran in ACB, defeating Tim Morvia Armbar, losing the submission to Ronnie Sadat and Kyle Reyes. So, when it comes to this fight, we got two young up-and-comers, but obviously Victor Henry is the one with the most to prove because he's the current champion so what are your thoughts about this fight and as far as the press releases go I'm pretty sure they had a lot to say that was similar to what 
they said to us in the respective interviews basically, that yeah. we had with Basically, mm-hmm. you're basically right on. They basically said, I'll reiterate the same things about their fights. Um, let me get that up. Just read that off quickly. Victor Henry said, fighting on one of the biggest stages of the world is going to be exciting. I'm glad it's going to be in front of my Japanese fans that have been with me since I first fought in Japan. I feel like I have the home advantage. Trent is a very experienced fighter who has also fought on an international stage. Walking up with him is going to be fun, but as a deep champion, I have to show, I have to show him a hard welcome. And then El Nino says, I'm very excited and proud to be fighting under the rising banner for the first time returning to Japan to put on one of the most exciting fights of the night on against Vic... And they misspelled it. They said they spelled it Victory Henry instead of Victor Henry, which is very funny. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Um, also, I forgot... We, Maybe they probably know something that we don't know. And I mean, that we uh, already know. Uh-huh. Hint, hint. Um, but, um, just also want to let everybody know as well, um, all the fights besides the kickboxing matches, uh, elbows are allowed. So keep that in mind, that for all the fights, all the MMA matches, elbows are allowed. Um, so, Gurnham is also a kickboxer, right? Yes, he's a Muay Thai kickboxer. Is, did, did he go into kickboxing? Was he kickboxer than MMA, or was it the opposite, MMA kick into kickboxing? Well, he said to me that he started off when he was 15 years old, basically kicking the asses of any grown man that came near him. But he was 15 years old starting in kickboxing because, of course, where he's from in New South Wales, Australia, they didn't allow fighters to fight in MMA until they turned, like, 18. Oh, that's funny. So he basically lied about his age and fought... Nah. In Muay Thai before getting into MMA. I see, I see. And they oh they're classified Victor Henry's classified as an all rounder while while Trent Gurdam is characterized as a striker. Um as you said, we've talked to both fighters, you talked to Victor uh, to uh Trent Gurdham, we both talked to Victor Henry. Both are are very confident going to this into this match. But and I say but I think that the all rounder Victor Henry is gonna take this fight He's going to have Josh Barnett in his corner yelling at him. He's going to know takedowns. He's going to go for takedowns, work off those takedowns. I, I don't know if Trent Gurdum's ever faced a wrestler or somebody who can take down people like Victor Henry does. Uh, but if he if he's not uh, he is not uh, drilling the, that defense, it's going to be a it's going to be a bad night for him. It's going to be going to be a very bad night. Um, but I think that Victor Henry's going to take this. Um, and, you know, maybe with one or two more fights, maybe we're going to get a matchup between him and Horiguchi and Ryzen, um, for that, uh, Ryzen, uh, Bantamweight title. Uh, what say you, Christian? I mean, to be honest, I do think it's going to be a bad night if, you know, Geardham tries to underestimate him. And, of course, the topology faithful do have an overwhelming 95% chance that Victor Henry is going to win this, so I guess we're going to be calling him Victory Henry, even if we don't attempt to fuck up. But still, Victor Henry, this is going to be his rising debut. It's going to be Gurham's rising debut as well. But to be quite honest, I think that even if Victor Henry wins this fight via a devastating finish, 
it's going to take like one, maybe two more fights under the rising banner for him to, you know, showcase himself to the fact that he wants a rising bantamweight title shot or even hell. Maybe Scott Coker is going to probably be watching that, knowing damn well that Josh Barnett's under the Bellator banner now and, you know, a few good performances, Scott Coker is going to probably have an eye for him. Oh, yeah. Victor Henry is definitely a, a bandway fire to look at, um, especially if you want to build, um, build up a, a division or, or add somebody to the division, I should say. Um, but, uh, yeah, so you, you do, think, do you think that Victor Henry can finish Gertham, or do you think this is going to be three rounds of just uh, uh, of, of Henry working, working off of takedowns? Well, as long as basically it's not something similar to Russell fucking, I'm pretty sure that Victor Henry's going to probably get the victory via finish. Yeah, I, I, th- I, I think it's going to go all three rounds. I think that, uh, I think that, uh, I don't know, Graham's going to be a hard guy to finish. Uh, but I think that, I think that, that Henry's just going to pressure him. He's going to pressure him. And, I, and unless Gurdam is has has adequately drilled against this. I don't know if he has, you know, but I'm going to assume that, you know, he hasn't fought somebody like Henry yet. I think that this is this is not his fight to win, unfortunately. Exactly. And considering the fact that now we ran down that fight, I mean, do you want to get down to the double main event? Absolutely. Let's get down to the double double non-title main event. Ah, uh, yes. And of course, part one of the two-fight double main event will see the rising super animate world champion in a non-title contest. As Ayaka Hamasaki will take on Full Metal Dojo Animate Sword Wielder. Yes, they do carry swords in the Full Metal Dojo. Axe <laughs> John Nutt. <laughs> Amp Suwanan Boomsorn, a.k.a. Amp the Pocket Rocket. First of all, particulars on Amp the Pocket Rocket. Suwanan Boomsorn, she's a boxer and a professional mixed martial artist. She's five feet tall. 105 pounds, age 23, born June the 14th, 1996, representing the Don Thorn Gym, and fighting, oh my goodness, it's hard to just try and find these fighters, it's hard to try and find there's nothing really on them, but still, about Suwanar Bonesorn, Amp the Pocket Rocket, I've seen her compete in the full metal dojo, and she was crazy. She was armbarring people. She defeated Kyle Jai in her first pro MMA fight via armbar. Three minutes, 42 seconds of round number two, FMD2. She lost via armbar to Siputa Anoshian via first round armbar, full metal dojo 10, March 19, 2016. And he defeated now Invicta and Pancrase veteran Loma Lukbarmi via armbar two minutes six seconds into round number one back on November 13th, I mean November 3rd, 2018. 
in a fight that I seen on the Full Metal Dojo Facebook page for the FMD Animate Sword. Not Championship, Sword. <laughs> oh, and also she most recently choked out Emi Sato with Deep Jewels 23 on the same fight card that King Reyna knocked out Mao Ueda in 24 seconds mm. back on March the 8th. But I have a feeling that Suwanan at the pocket rocket, she's going into her toughest test of her career against probably the best woman fighting under the strawweight class right now, outside of the UFC, of course, Ayaka Hamasaki, 5 feet 108 pounds. 37 years old, born March 31st, 1982, in Sanyo Onoda, Yamaguchi, Japan. Representing the Ane Ah, representing, I'm going to say this slow, the Abe Ane Combat Club. She has an 18 and 2 professional MMA record with a four fight winning streak, fighting out. Of city Tokyo, Japan, and is a judo practitioner under the great Megumi Bushi. Ever since she stepped foot into the rising ring, after losing her last Invicta fight out of four, well, actually, her last Invicta fight out of five, which she went three and two in the promotion overall, to now UFC strawweight Livia Hinata Levine Hososa. Hamasaki has gone undefeated in rising competition. 4-0 with two of those four wins by way of early stoppage, early submission finish. Given Mia Kurobe a double wrist lock submission and damn near breaking Kana Asakura's arm at Rising 14 to become the Rising Animate Champion. She defeated Alyssa Garcia, another Josh Barnett trainee, she defeated Jin Yu Frey more recently, the Invicta Animate Champion, via unanimous decision at Rising 16. So, do you think that Hamasaki is going to have her record in jeopardy, or do you think that Hamasaki is going to cruise away with this one? In, I mean, in preparation for bigger and better competition, like the winner of the Miyu Yamamoto versus Siohi Han fight. And of course, Hamasaki fought Siohi Han twice already and beat her twice already. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I'm going to give a, just a teeny bit more background uh, courtesy of Ryzen. They call uh, Amp the Rocket a, a upcoming prospect from, from Thailand and that she's a rising star who is dangerous both in striking and grappling. This will be a young power versus experience and technique match. Um, both of them just said that they have um, a lot of respect for one another and all that stuff, and that this is Hamazaki's first uh, time facing a Thai fighter. Um, they also, just mentioned as well, this is not a title match. This is not. Of course, it's not. It's a non-title bout. It is scheduled for three five-minute rounds. But uh, and, and for Amp the Pocket Rocket, who fights out of Nakhon Pathom, Thailand. Is gonna probably be the biggest test of her career. Oh, absolutely. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. I think I'll win this fight and await the winner of Han versus Yamamoto. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I'll tell you, and I'm gonna say this. 
Ayaka Hamazaki wins this, I think, easily. I do not think this will be a competitive fight. I know that she didn't look that the Jin Yu Frey match went to a decision. Uh, she didn't get to finish that, but usually when you when you put Hamazaki in a match, you can usually bet on a finish. And I do not see in in the in the uh, full metal dojo uh, matches I watched with Anthony Rocket, I saw nothing that Ayaka Hamazaki hasn't already gone up against, or you know she's faced tougher competition as well. Uh, Ayaka Hamazaki wins this easily. I think a first round finish. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say by submission, by Hamazaki. What do you say, Christian? Hmm. Are you sure? I'm absolutely 100% sure that Hamazaki wins this, yeah. <laughs> hmm, I see. And I mean, if you think of it, what would happen if... I mean, do you think that if Amp the Pocket Rocket were to win this fight, which of course... It's not really a guarantee. I mean, it ain't a guarantee because the topology fan base are saying that 95% that there's a 95% chance of a Hamasaki victory. But if Amp shocks the world, would we potentially see her getting bigger and better fights? Yes. Well, here's the thing as well. I don't agree with making these co these two matches um, non-tile matches. I think that's a really strange thing to do because. Say if Amp the Rocket does win, she is immediately owed a title shot at whenever, as soon as possible. But it seems like what Ryzen is doing, Ryzen seems to be uh, doing their title shot, their title matches during New Year's Eve shows. It seems like, it seems like they, but and they're gonna have their fighters who are champions fight non-title matches during uh, the non-New Year's Eve shows. I don't know if I exactly agree with that. Because say if a champion does lose, you know, then you gotta have another match where that where the challenger, the person who beat them, takes on the uh, the, the title champ, the title uh, holder, and yeah, I think it kind it kind of mucks up the uh, division rankings and contenderships and all that stuff when you do that. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think, Christian? Who do you think uh, who do you think takes this anticipated Adam Weight bout? I mean, it's like I said, Hamasaki's gonna win this fight. Yeah. No doubt about it. But I just hope that I just hope that Hamasaki doesn't mess up in this bout because, you know, one wrong move and you could end up starting the beginning. Exactly. Yeah. One wrong move and you're looking up the lights or or you're you're getting choked out. Exactly, and I just hope that when it comes to this fight, you know, that shit won't happen, at least, you know, on Hamasaki's behalf. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, 12 fights down, one more to go. Because it's time to talk about Ryzen 18 main event. And of course, it's another non-title bout. I mean, it's the second of the double main event fights. It's another non-title bout. But this one probably has the biggest implications for a non-title bout that I've seen probably ever. To be honest with you. And I've seen him, I mean, I've been watching him make for like the last 
15 years, to be honest with you. And I've never seen a title fight. I mean, I've never seen a non-title fight involving a champion with this many implications. Gucci two belts. Kyoji the supernova, the Gucci Horiguchi versus Kai Asakura. Asakura, the native of Nagoya Aichi, Japan, he will be looking to shock the world against the now two promotion bantamweight world champion. First of all, Kai Asakura, 5'8", 138.2 pounds, but he will need to lose five pounds in order to make this fight work. He is 25 years old, born Halloween 1993 in Toyohashi, Aichi, Japan. Representing the Triforce Jiu-Jitsu Academy, he holds a record of 12-1 and one with four straight wins. One of the beating Kizamo Aya, of course, back on December 29, 2017, but he's riding a three. Sorry, Christian, you're His brother Mikuru, he's basically been dominating ever since. Andrew, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Just go again. You were saying about uh, Mikuru? Yeah. I was saying that the Nate, I mean, that the Triforce Jiu-Jitsu Academy representative from Toshima City, Tokyo, Japan, resides in Nagoya, Aichi, Japan, fights out of the Triforce Academy, but is riding a four-fight winning streak in Mikuru. Ever since he stepped foot in the rising ring, he's just been dominating. But he's going to have a tough test against the Bellator and Ryzen Bantamweight World Champion Gucci Two Belts. Hashtag Gucci Two Belts. Mm -hmm. The Gucci. Kiyoji, the supernova, Hori Gucci. Five feet four inches tall, 134 and a quarter pounds with a 66 inch reach. Age 28. Born October the 12th, 1990, in Takasaki, Gunma, Japan, representing Crazy V, and also representing American Top Team. He fights out of Coconut Creek, Florida, USA. Ever since, oh, and ever since losing to Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson back at UFC 186, in the very last second, via armbar, he's been on a... Tear. 13 straight victories. Most of which via decision. Well, actually, most of which via finish. But still. But still. Kyoji Horiguchi, as we know, this is his first. Violence! Stop! Sorry about that. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. These crazy ass kids are just out of control, but still, point of the matter is, Horikuchi's riding a 13-fight winning streak. He's been on a tear since New Year's Eve, choking out Darian Caldwell, knocking out Benton to win, defeating Darian Caldwell in New York City 
at Bellator 222, and now he's back home in Japan. Even though this is a non-title fight, if he loses this fight, could we see Kai Asakura be the Bellator um, be a rising bantamweight title contender? Hell, even a Bellator bantamweight title contender. And what did these two have to say in the press release? Before I go there, I'm just going to say what Ryzen uh, said about both fighters. They classify Horiguchi as an all-rounder, uh, Asakura as a striker. They say on paper this fight is a complete squash match. However, Asakura will always have that puncher's chance as he is always an explosive striker with devastating knockout power. Horiguchi has everything to lose in this fight, but Asakura has everything to gain. Very fun matchup, and both fighters... Let's see what, what these two... Uh, gentleman had to say. Uh, ah, here we are. Let's see. Horiguchi says. Whoops, I'm sorry. No, Azakura says. Uh, after I challenged Horiguchi on social media, I received many messages about me not having a chance, and that's too early. All that kind of stuff. But I know I have a chance, and it's in my hometown. I know I will have my chances during the fight. I have studied him. He is a great fighter with very little holes, but I have found out some patterns that I would like to utilize as my advantage. I will fight a fight where nobody else has fa uh, has faced him like. And um, let me see if we have a thing from Kyoji. Um, oh, wow. There's actually no... Oh, wait. Here, here it is. Oh, wait. No, that's from Sakaki Barasan. Excuse me. Um, no, I'm actually... I don't have anything from Horiguchi here. Um, surprisingly. Um, but yeah, um, so, essentially, oh, and here's something I'm going to read as well. This is from, uh, the r slash MMA, uh, subreddit on, uh, uh, and this was on the thread of the Ryzen 18 official fight order, and this was posted by Ryzen underscore Max, who I've talked to a little bit on, uh, on Reddit, but this is what he said when somebody asked why this wasn't a t for the title. He said it's a long story, but here's a short version. Azakura does not deserve the title shot. He said months ago Horiguchi got the Bellator title and that he needs to win three other title three other fights before he wants to compete against Horiguchi for the Ryzen title. His first fight was against Scoggins, which was um was that was canceled because of Scoggins' injury. In the same time, Horiguchi got the Bellator title, so Horiguchi became busy, and Ryzen just checked that uh Azakura versus Horiguchi um will be a lot harder to do in the future, so they just decided. Decide to schedule this fight as quickly as they, as they can, and this is their plan for Horiguchi. New Year's Eve 2019 Ryzen uh, title fight, uh, which is not necessarily reserved against Asakura, so keep that in mind. Spring 2020 Bellator title fight and summer 2020 Ryzen title fight. So it's very interesting that that they did that they uh, 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 oh that they didn't really have. Oh. Sorry, Andrew. The damn line just dropped. No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, I was just explaining um, that uh, that uh, uh, that. Well, explain it back again. Yeah. I couldn't hear you. Yeah. So Ryzen. Um. So someone by the name of Ryzen underscore Max on Reddit basically said why this was why this was a non-tile fight when when this uh, in a in a Reddit thread, and he said basically because um that they that they want to basically push this fight now because it's more because. For it to happen in the future is very, is very, it's unlikely to happen. 
So that's why they're pushing it. They're, they're moving this this fight so so quickly. I don't know if he works for Ryzen or what the deal is, but um, he pretty much put a made a very good point about why this is a why this is a non-title fight. Right. But um. But still, the main question I have to ask. Yep. Is what if Kai Asakura wins this fight? Uh, he should automatically get a title shot. He absolutely deserves it. You defeat the you defeat the champion, you get the title shots. Really, really, you really should. Um, if the title's not on the line, of course. But, you know, I don't think that will happen. If you, I, I, I and why is that? Because Kyoji Horiguchi is the most dominant MMA fighter in the world right now. I do not see him losing for a long time, and I do not know against who. Honestly, I can't pick somebody who I think can beat him. I think that Kai Azakura, especially in his last two fights, has not looked as impressive as when he uh, when he um, first debuted. And, you know, with the Minel Cape fight, you know, some people thought he lost that as well. Um, I think that Minel Cape has looked much better in his in his rise and wins recently than uh, Azakura has. Azakura has become a one-note fighter who's, who's tried to take down his opponents and basically just try to... to Lay on top of them for as long as you can. I know it's a safe way to fight, but um, that's, you're not going to do that against Horiguchi. Darian, Darian Caldwell tried it twice, and he lost both times. Huh. So I think Horiguchi, yep. Horiguchi's win streak, massive win streak continues, and this will be Azakura's first loss in Ryzen, and his first loss in quite a while. Since uh, his Road FC fight, actually. Mm-hmm. And you know... It is kind of funny because aside from the tension Nasakawa fight, which was totally out of Kyoji's element, uh, uh, yeah, obviously you're gonna have probably you're gonna have the strength as far as searching for so long, Kyoji Horiguchi. You just can't. And I'm, I'm sorry to Kai Asakura, but I don't think that he has what it takes to beat Kyoshi Horiguchi. And apparently the typology people don't either, because they see this they see this fight going the way of Horiguchi 97%. Yeah, I don't blame him. <laughs> I, don't... I mean, that's damn near a shutout. Yeah, no, it is. It is. It absolutely is. I don't. I don't see what Azakura has that he could beat Horiguchi with. Because, you know, it's simple as that, you know. This isn't, you know, where Stipe and DC are fighting each other. You know, you know what? Stipe may, could, could knock out uh, um, DC. You know, there's, there's nothing like that. I can't see anything that Azakura can bring to this fight. And uh, where he can uh, defeat uh, Horiguchi. Right. But other than that, I think we both know who we're picking. Oh. All I gotta ask is, how long do you think the fight will last? I can see this. I can see, you know, Azakura's a hard guy to finish. So I don't, I can honestly see this going all three rounds if, if, if that happens. But I can easily see Koriguchi knocking him, knocking him down. We've seen Azakura get, get tagged before in the Cape fight. And he's been knocked out by Jae Hoon Moon. Uh, and wrote SC. 
So I could easily see, um, I could see Horiguchi knocking him out, like maybe by like round two or three, especially if if um, Azakura, as we saw in J Hoon Moon match uh, from Ryzen fourteen last year, he he got pretty he got tired pretty fast. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it'll probably go all three rounds. You know, if anything, I just hope when it comes down to this fight, I hope that Kai Asakura doesn't get treated like how Ian McCall got treated. <laughs> Nine-second finish. No. Well, if, if that's what it is, but my God, then then there's then you know what? Then you might just have to put you have to make you have to call it the Horiguchi uh, weight class because then. He is just so good and so dominant that he can't. Uh, he that he's undefeatable, really. If that if he defeats him like that shortly. Mhm. Mm exactly. I mean, if anything, I do hope that the fight does reach all three rounds, but I do not see it going straight to the judges. I think that Horiguchi will win this fight, and you know the world is his oyster. Yeah. Yeah, he is in control of the bantamweight divisions of two different actively running major MMA promotions right now. Yeah, he is. He is. He is the he is the bantamweight king right now. He's going hard for today. He ain't worried about the past because that's yesterday. Yeah, no, he's improved. He's improved since the DJ fight tremendously. He's not. He is. He has. He has no plans to lose in the future, <laughs> as far as I can tell. Over for a while. Let's just say that. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Mhm. Mm so, oh, all in all, we got our predictions down. And I think that we'll probably do fairly well on this fight card. Well, I mean, come to think of it, what, what was your record for Ryzen 17? Mine was 8 and 4. Oh, God, I don't even remember. It feels like Ryzen 17 was five years ago. Uh, come on. I honestly don't remember. I don't remember what it was. I honestly don't remember what it was. I'm going to start keeping tallies after this, starting with this show on, uh, on, on, on our uh, record uh, wins. Right, right, right. But still, all in all, it's going to be a fight card. It's going to be, as the kids say, lit. But I hope that when it comes down, I mean, but I hope that when it's all said and done, the only thing that'll be lit are Ryzen's So, I guess he does. So, that's going to end it for all. Huh? Okay. Well, that's going to end it for our Ryzen 18 preview special. We. Hope you man. It's fun for us. Step up to it. You can 
check us out on our show page. Well, you can check us out on Twitter via our show page at We Are Rising Pod, W-E-A-R-E-R-I-Z-I-N-P-O-D, all in one word. You can check us out on Stitcher and SoundCloud, and hopefully soon, hopefully one day, you will be able to listen to us on all your favorite podcast carriers, providers, or what have you. You can follow me on Twitter at ChrisGary92. You can follow Andrew on Twitter at abenja one We'll be sure to follow you back, or, or at least I will be following you back. I'm not sure about Andrew. <laughs> you can follow Focus Fights. We cover all forms of combat sports, the scenes of the U.S., U.K., Russia, China, Japan, South America, Africa, Australia, Everywhere pretty much but Antarctica, we will cover it for you. And you can follow us on Twitter at Focus Fights. You can like our Facebook page, Facebook.com. Ah, fuck. Facebook.com slash Focus Fights. You can not only subscribe to the We Are Rising YouTube channel, but you can also subscribe to the Focus Fights YouTube channel. Unfortunately, neither one of those YouTube channels have proper URLs, so you're going to have to use parentheses for that or, you know, just try and do your best search and tell We are Rising Park. It's all in one word anyways. And as far as the MMA opinion goes, the best damn blog, the best damn fight blog, period. On Facebook at facebook.com slash the MMA opinion. And also, once again, need I remind you, need we remind you that Ryzen 18 will be taking place August the 18th live from the Dolphins Arena in Nagoya, Aichi, Japan. You can watch the event live on Fight TV at 1 a.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Pacific, which means August 17th for those out in the West Coast, or... To basically show that you love fights. To basically show that you care about Ryzen. You can go check them out on Fight.tv, their website. You can follow them on all forms of social media. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Fight TV. Or your Fight TV fight schedule. And check out all those great forms of shows from all different types of combat sports, but you can basically tell the fight, the people at Fight TV how much you love uh, uh. our side for not only the rising Federation, but for every single event that they have. But, yeah, it's Trey Andrew, but review podcast. Thank you for being a part. But before we close things out, I think Lenny Hart has a little something, something she would like to say.
And with that, we out this mug. Later.